I want to take a minute and talk about Shop Boss. It's the ultimate solution for automotive shop management. It's built by industry experts with real-world experience. In fact, the founder was a former shop owner himself. Now, Shop Boss is designed to be user-friendly, making it easy to set up, learn, and teach your team with Boss Pay, powered by 360 Payments. Enjoy integrated payments with digital signature capture, text-to-text pay, PayPal, and Venmo options, consumer financing, and now surcharging, all seamlessly integrated into Shop Boss. Say goodbye to the hassle of managing separate sets of books. Everything you need is built right in. But that's not all. ShopBoss also offers built-in DVI functionality, eliminating the need for third-party solutions. See how they can simplify your auto shop at shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. Shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. That's shopboss.net forward slash gearbox. My name is Jimmy Purdy, shop owner, master tech, transmission builder, and the host of the Gearbox Podcast. Here I talk with new and seasoned shop owners as well as industry professionals about day-to-day operations within their own shops and all the failures and successes that come along the way. From what grinds your gears to having to shift gears in the automotive industry, this is the Gearbox Podcast. All right, let's do this thing. Huh? So we're calling this thing the Gearbox I don't think I've said that enough in the other episodes, but... Gearbox. The Gearbox. Getting into it. Getting into it. Dude, that's the good stuff. <laughs> All right, Tyler. Mr. What are we doing? Service advisor, tech? Events coordinator, off-road and action extraordinaire. Enthusiast. All of it. All of it, yeah. huh? Whatever's got wheels if, on. If, it's, if there's a motor involved, I'm in. That's, you know, <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Yeah, you had an interesting uh, King of Hammers experience that you were just telling me about. Very interesting. Uh, decided to show up and I had a whole week planned out. I was like, I'm going from Saturday to Saturday. We're going to have a great time. First time going, staying in Hammertown. And uh, we get there, unhook the trailer, which I pulled a, a 10 foot pop up tent trailer with my Jeep, my JL. Yeah. And uh, drove the JL out there. You know, was like, ah, I'm not going to get too wild, but, you know, I'll try some stuff and uh, unhook, head out. The, the famous words. Yeah, I say that. Famous words. <laughs> every time I say that. And uh, so we head out and, you know, we're like, let's go check out Chocolate Thunder. That's apparently where all the action is this year. Yeah. So we show up and I think we were sitting there for maybe 30 minutes watching, you know, all these crazy rigs go up and everybody's just making it look like butter. The first 30 minutes were there. I don't see a single break. Everybody's getting right up. I kind of see a couple lines, yeah. but I hadn't gone down and walked it either. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to send it. I can do that. Yeah, I can do that. That's, that's I'm easy. on 38s. Yeah, I'm good. And uh, my buddy's like, don't do it. Don't do it. We just got here. You can try it later. And I'm like, ah, I could try it today. I've, we've been here for three hours. It's long enough. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, like an eternity watching. I know. It really is. And so, uh, yeah, I make my way up and I, I pick the left line. The right line just looked like body damage central for a full-size JL with a top on. Um, and I, I go up. I, I get up on off the onto the first rock ledge and I'm like, all right, we got, we got some, we're making it. Give it a little bit, go up and and now I'm kind of on two sets of rocks. So each wheel is essentially on a rock with a drop on either side. And uh, I kind of start sliding backwards. I give it a little bit more beans and it keeps sliding backwards. And that's when I fall basically in my front driver wheel pops up. My rear passenger goes down into this hole grabs traction by itself Mm. uh 
and I was still, I was moving backwards and my wheels were moving forward. So as soon as that back tire and all the weight grabbed that rear passenger, snap. Uh, I'm like, okay, something broke. Locker lights are flashing. Something's wrong. Let's see if we can limp our way up. You know, I still got three other drives. Hopefully it's just one axle that's broken. I'm locked in. I can't go anywhere. Uh, so I end up getting winched out pulled it out and it was driving obviously in limp mode, not giving me any power, doesn't really want to go anywhere. Um, but we limp it back to camp. The only thing we could see was gear oil outside of the wheel. That's always a good sign. That's a great sign. When you get that outside of the wheel, nothing, you know, something's off. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of making some funny noises, but doesn't quite sound like rocks in a blender. Get back to camp. Uh, wait till the next day and uh, take it over to BF Goodrich because they'll they'll work on your vehicle for free out there. They'll do trail repair. Um, they pulled the axle out and of course it's completely broken, wheel bearings fried. And so we know we're, we're, we need an axle. Pop off the diff cover and the gears are junked. And I'm like, okay. So head over to Yukon. Yukon hooks it up with a, a set of uh, a gear gears, axle, and uh, we head back to BF Goodrich. And they're all kind of standing around the Jeep and it hasn't changed at all. And I'm like, I can feel something else is wrong here. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, and uh, so they tell me, they're like, uh, well, your shaft is broken in your locker. Knew that much. But where it broke, there was not enough to grab it. So it's stuck with about a quarter inch of shaft hanging out of the locker, which means I can't get the lo the broken locker out of the housing. So now I had to find a whole locker or a whole rear whole housing. Re yeah. yeah. Whole housing yeah. Dana 44 assembly. Um, found one for a great out, deal out in the middle of Johnson Valley. Yeah, I'm in the middle of Johnson Valley. This is Monday. Um, and I'm like, okay, well, so hit up every, every vendor in Hammertown and nobody could find a thing. Right. Which was pretty shocking for me that Dana showed up, but they had a 44 display, but none in the truck. Mm. And I mean, I figured four wheel parts, off road warehouse. I mean, somebody. It's got to have a 44. Somebody got to have a 44. It's like the most common rear end. I mean, yeah. next to a Dana 60, which probably should consider those. Um, nobody had anything. So I start hitting up Facebook, Craigslist, everything. I get a referral or tagged in a post, and a uh, guy supposedly owns a Jeep shop and has a bunch of takeoff stuff. So he's like, I got, you know, I hit him up on this one that was for sale for like 1500 bucks, whole rear end. And I'm like, sweet, let's do it. And uh, he's like, oh, that one's sold, but I have another one. And I'm like, okay, cool. Whatever. Huh? Yeah, whatever. And I'm like, uh, I can be there, you know, tomorrow morning with cash. And he's like, well, I have a couple people hitting me up. Uh, can you send a deposit? And I'm like, sure, whatever. You know, I just, I'm cool with that. I understand business. And uh, so I give him my credit card number and I'm like, okay, you know, he gives me the pickup this address. Already, this is already sounding bad. Yeah, yeah, I know. It already, it, I had a sneaking suspicion, <laughs> but you know, at, at that point I had to try all my options. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And I was continuing to find other leads. Um, he gives me an address and I'm like, is there anything else you need? Because once I leave Hammertown, I don't have service. I'm at the Wi-Fi tent. Yeah. Uh, he's like, uh, billing zip code or whatever. And, and I'm like, so I send that to him and I'm like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow, 10 a.m. at the address you gave me. Boom, we're good. Um, so I'm like, sweet, I got a rear end. And uh, all right, the address he gave me was two hours from Hammertown. So we're on our way. About an hour away, I get a message from him saying, uh, we can't 
do it. I had an emergency. My daughter's in the hospital and your card didn't go through. So I need you to send an Amazon gift card and I'll ship it to you tomorrow at no cost. And I'm like, okay, there's like 19 different things wrong there in that (laughs) statement. (laughs) That's red flag city. Yeah. And I'm like, my response was, I have cash. I'm showing up to the address you gave me. The parts better be there. I don't care if it's your mother, your brother, your aunt, your uncle, your neighbor. Yeah. Somebody should be at the location to make this exchange. And it just keeps going back and forth. And I show up and and this nice young lady answers and has no idea yeah. who I am <laughs> or anything about Jeep parts. So he sent me to some random address two hours away for a scam. I mean, it was all yeah. that. And you know, somebody probably gave him some some Amazon gift cards because somebody needed parts in Hammertown. Oh, yeah. And and that right there is the exact problem with the automotive industry of everybody thinking we're all a bunch of crooks, right? Yep. I mean, damn. <laughs> it's It was impossible. And I don't even know. I can't even tell you how many leads I went through of maybe I can get these, maybe I can get this. And it was just one after the other. I mean, finally, the last, what I ended up, I ended up getting the axles or the whole rear end Thursday night at 6 p.m. And I was supposed to leave Saturday. Crazy. Uh, and I still had to do the work. Right. So I, I had a battle up against me. But the way I got it, I found a, another guy that was selling a, a pair a pair front and rear. Um, and I hit him up and I'm like, hey, would you be willing to sell the rear? And he's like, yeah, I'll sell it. You know, 2,200 bucks. And I'm like, that's, that's fair. Let's do it. Uh, he's like, but I have one other person on the way. And, uh, you know, first, the come, race is on first come first serve. And I'm like, this guy's like three hours from here. I can't. And I'm like, okay, well, how far away is he? And he's like 15 minutes. I'm like, well, let me know how it goes. If it's still available, I'll make the trip out. The guy shows up and he's like, yeah, he's going to buy them. And I'm like, ah, well tomorrow I'm looking at a tow truck. Yeah. And, uh, another 20 minutes goes by and he goes, what's delivery worth to you? And I'm like, oh. We got an out. I'm like, how's 500 bucks? Yeah. And he's like, uh, uh, the guy wants three grand plus gas money. And I'm like, ooh, so I'm spending a thousand bucks on delivery. Basically, this guy's going to make gas money and 800 bucks off this like that. And I'm like, you know what? I got to pay the price. I don't have any options at this point. He was basically, I went through about 10 other scenarios. Right. And uh, the guy goes, but I want a deposit. Uh, <laughs> perfect man uh, i was deja like vu, huh? i don't think so but yeah this guy wants to know you're committed he at least wants 200 bucks for gas and i'm like how do you know who is this guy like you're not even you're not even selling it to me and me you're being a middleman for somebody else right how do you know him he's like he's bought other parts off from me he runs a parts business um and he's willing to do it i'm like so you have dealt with this is he trustworthy like and he's like, yes. So I'm assuming one guy I have ne- never met is trustworthy and the other guy I've never met is also trustworthy. Yeah. <laughs> and but I bet about 10 untrustworthy people right before this. Right, yeah. So uh, I, I'm like, you know, at this point, I don't got nothing. I got no options. So yeah. I sent him 200 bucks and I'm like, I if I send you this, I want a screenshot every 30 minutes of where you are on GPS. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're like, what is with this guy, yeah, man? Dude. Why is, it, is he not like not trust us or what? Yeah. And uh, 30 minutes goes by and I get a screenshot. Another 30 minutes and I get a screenshot. That's nice. And, See, uh, and that's the other side of the automotive industry is how much everyone's willing to help each other. It's right. so black and white, you know? There's 
there was a lot of people willing to help. The problem is there's so many unknowns yeah. and you just got to keep fighting. I mean, it's next to impossible to figure out over media who is, who's who. Yeah. I mean, it, you never, the, the first page was a page that had been up for two years posting G parts. Wow. So who knows how many people this guy scammed and got, you know, money from, but yeah. At the end of the day, I found a, a great business that does, you know, good work and is willing to go three hours out of the way to deliver parts to somebody in the middle of the desert. Yeah, that's rad. You know, I'll I'll help them and I'm gonna I'm gonna put their name out there and yeah. I'm gonna take care of them as much as I can. You know, they're all the way in San Diego, uh, and they run parts basically from L.A. to Mexico. Rad. It's pretty sweet. Yeah, that is cool. And so we that, fixed that it and drove either. it home. Yeah. At forty miles an hour, though, that yeah. was a little caveat. At flat land, I had limp mode. Uh, after we put it all together, it wouldn't wouldn't go over really 40. Um, it was only giving me about 10% throttle. And, uh, you know, you do all the, I did a whole rear end swap in a trailer on, in five hours on Friday and it and tested it and it was driving, which is as much as I wanted. Yeah. And, uh, we're going forward and we're, we're going, going forward backwards. And we're, uh, backwards was a little bit harder, but we, we were going <laughs> forwards. We had to do, make sure we went through drive through gas stations and, uh, I got all the way home and, I was like, all right, you know, and I'm, I'm going through, I'm checking everything again. I'm checking all the modules. I'm checking all the connectors. I'm making sure no wires got snagged. And, you know, I bring it in. I work at Malahi here at the Jeep dealership in Paso. And so I bring it in on Monday after everything's happened and give it to my tech. And about an hour and a half, he brings me out a fuse. <laughs> Always check your fuses. And I, I wanted to slap <laughs> that fuse across the room so bad. The simplest thing, man. And you yeah. know, you know how many times I've tell, told people to check fuses. Check your and fuses, yeah. After you get through all this complicated mechanical work, you know, yeah. the last thing it could be was a fuse, right? It's always it's always your own stuff because you just don't realize how worked up you get, you know? Yeah. And I think that's in our industry too, when we get someone comes in and they're like kind of riled up a little bit and you're like, dude, calm down. Like and and then once it happens to you, you're like right to that that animal instinct of like <laughs> I just gotta get home. Gotta I just gotta make home. and you just and you get yourself out of your own diagnostic procedures. I mean, yeah. I, I have the kiss procedure everywhere here, right? Like, keep it simple, stupid. Like, always check the simple stuff. But when it's your own, it's so hard to like wrap your mind around that. You know, <laughs> like you said, you did all like, what is it? I can't. It, it, the whole thing's fried. Like something yeah. like you just go to the worst case scenario it possibly could be like. I'm not even going to take the time to check the fuses because that's just wasting my time right now. And next time I could just be driving to get home, yeah. you know? <laughs> like, I, you know, it was a problem with the transfer case was the was the code that we were getting was, you know, lost communication essentially with the transfer case. That So, you know, the main culprit for those is usually the module. Yeah. Um, but the module was fine. I mean, it had power. It had ground. It wasn't damaged. It, the connectors were on there solid. And yeah. And uh, that the actually the fuse for that system controls the front rear lockers and the transfer case. Mm. So my my lockers were still kind of acting weird. So I ended up disabling those with a programmer with a taser. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't reading the lockers. I was thinking if I had a locker problem still for some reason or a sensor issue or that if I just made it think that it didn't have them, that that would resolve the issue with the transfer case. And it didn't. And, you know, we had a timeline to get home. And so at Going uphill at 19 miles an hour over the Tehachapi Crate, it, it took me about nine and a half hours to get from yeah. uh, King of the Hammers all the way back to Paso, which yeah. is about 200 and something miles, 250 miles. Yeah, we're right here on the coast in San Luis Obispo County. And uh, yeah, Paso was in the middle. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a long drive 
even going the speed limit. <laughs> I mean, yeah. like I said, I had the similar situation towing my trailer back and I had lost uh, my one of my boost lines on my Duramax and I did the same thing going over to Hatchby Pass, like about 19 or 20 miles an hour. Yeah. Just just eating fuel and I finally get up to the top of the top. Um, I got to check this out. So that's about the time my mind had settled down enough to be like, okay, I'm out of the desert. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cause it seems like every time you go to the King of Hammers, it's like that. And it's just such a mind. You're just so worked out. So much stuff's going on, you know, so much stuff. And then you're like, finally settled a little bit and you're like, okay, let me look at this. Take a breath here. Let me go. Then I ended up finding my cooler line. It was blown <laughs> off the intercooler. So it's like working in an off-road war zone. Like yeah. that's how you would describe like it, everything is covered in this silt dust that is just everywhere. You hear mortars going off, fireworks 24/7, doesn't matter if it's day or night. Yeah. Um you're fi- struggling to find your location or where you are, you know, yeah. you can't see through the dust and it's just finding parts is the other nightmare. I have to say that the coolest thing about King of the Hammers is the people you meet. You meet outstanding people there. Um Yukon who was the only people that really were wanting to help me. I mean, they, they actually put time and effort to help me and they didn't even have a vendor booth. They were just race support. Mm. So I knew Edwin, uh, who was driving for, uh, ultra four class out there. And, um, I, uh, I got in touch with him and, uh, ended up posting about a week before, uh, some pictures of him and tagging Yukon is who's one of his sponsors. And, uh, they're like, Hey, can we have these pictures? And I'm like, yeah, trade me for some axles. This is a week before King of the Hammers. Yeah. And they're like, cool, we'll put it on Edwin's tab. Just see Edwin, you know, like out at King of the Hammers. And like, it was, you know, joking. So I sent him the pictures and then, <laughs> so then I show up to King of the Hammers. So and I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and need those axles. <laughs> hey, uh, about that joke I made last week, I kind of do need those. And uh, they're like, oh yeah, we could definitely help you. Uh, just go see Brian and Gus out at the, the Yukon tent. And I'm like, Really? Um, cause everybody else told me no. And I mean, it wasn't even like a, we can't get it. I went to off-road warehouse and four wheel parts warehouse. Both of them. I was like, Hey, can you guys get JL axles without looking at a computer, checking inventory? It was no. Well, I don't, I know customers. I'm in customer service. I deal with parts every day looking something. I mean, I know certain parts are back ordered, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to look and see if I can't get it from another dealer, another warehouse, yeah. you know, especially when people are down and out of luck. You want to, you want to, that's when customer service can excel. Yeah. Um, UConn didn't have a booth. They weren't there as a vendor and they still stopped, made calls and got me parts overnighted to the middle of the desert. Yes. Uh, yeah. They're great people, man. Oh, I'll, yeah. I'll be a UConn customer forever. Yeah. Yeah, Yukon's top of the line. I mean, yeah, you can do Richmond. Richmond's always nice too, but uh, yeah, we, we run a lot of Yukon stuff here at the shop. Yeah. We have a Yukon master installer employed here. And yeah, it's, I mean, second to none. For customer sure. service, man. Yeah. It'll it'll earn a lifetime customer every day. Yeah. Well, speaking of customer service, let's get into your, your dailies here. Oh, yeah. So you got some stories because you run the front of a dealership. Yeah, yeah. I'm a service <laughs> advisor over at Malahi. And I mean, we see everything yeah um dealerships get the best of the best i think when it comes to the unique scenarios you know a lot of time you you have to figure it out you know you don't it comes under warranty and whether or not it's going to continue to be under warranty uh you you know you got to spend the time and the effort a lot of times we're the ones with the special tools yeah so i think um to dive into this thing a lot of the pull of an independent shop is that you walk in and you 
you basically talk to the owner at the front counter. And so that's kind of the big service draw that is used as a selling point for a lot of uh, a lot of independent shops like, hey, you know what? You don't go to the dealership. Come to the independent shop because uh, you're going to talk to the owner. Like, we're here. We're, we're family. We're, you know. Um, how would you dispute that in a way? As, how, I mean, as you run in the yeah. front, you know what I'm saying? Like, as a customer service, do you, can you beat the fact of having an owner at the front counter? Because, like I said, that's one of the, 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 the sales pitches. Like, yeah. you know what? Don't go to the dealer. Come here because you're going to talk. You have a problem? You come back and you talk to the guy that runs the place. You know, and with dealerships, of course, they're run from people. Mm-hmm. So everyone's run a little differently. But how would you like you hear that? How does that make you think or what, what, what's your your my, yeah, my dispute f- to that? <laughs> my first thought is, is, yeah, there's there's a big difference between an independent shop and a dealership. Now, while where every dealership is an independent franchise and some of the ways they run can vary from dealer to dealer. Right. It also is very black and white. Um, in terms of a brand will give a dealership a, a rule book that they have to abide by in terms of customer service, amenities, tools. Um, they're required to do certain things a right. certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's much more black and white. Now, you can get to the owner of a dealership or maybe not, depending on the size of the dealership group. You know, if it's a, say, a small dealership group that only owns three to five dealerships, you know, there's a chance you could probably find the owner there at one of the dealerships at some point. If you are approaching, trying to get to an owner of a group that owns 30 to 40 dealerships, you're not going to talk to that guy. Right. Um, now that may or may not be a good thing. It kind of depends on the scenario. The benefit I see from, from independent shop is, is a personalized service. Now where I can, I can also give personalized service and I do at the front desk of my dealership you're you're not going to get kind of the back and forth that you get in an independent shop and partially is the time restriction you know we see 20 to 40 customers per day um you are also working on the cars and you're at the front desk you're available somebody can come in and talk to you about what they're doing or the problem they're having and you as a technician can give certain advice right um i'm mechanically inclined but i'm by no means a technician um, I can do a lot, but I don't understand the intricacies. I, I can put the Legos together, but I don't, I can't tell you the specifications of how they work. Yeah. I mean, and it's more just your, that's just not your, my wheelhouse. Your jo- it's not your, your job. I mean, yeah. you're there to advise, you know, and, and, and to move that work into the service bay. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not the daily thing. It's not like what I'm here to do, yep. you know, but obviously you still have access to the same information that we all do. You know, like you can make a recommendation based on how, the code, right? Mm-hmm. Like, hey, there's, you know, and I'm, you're going to get the same questions. Hey, I got this code. What do I need to do? Right. Well, like my scenario, <laughs> yeah, I like, had a code for the transfer case, but at the end of the day, it kind of had almost nothing to do with the transfer case. Right. Always. I mean, it's, so, so, you know, people call in and I've got, you know, this code and this code and this code. And I'm like, that's great. That doesn't really, I mean, it doesn't tell me anything. I mean, right. it, it tells me something. There's a something wrong with that system but at the end of the day there's there's nothing i can really do with just a code right i mean that there's nobody can do anything with that no and i've said that before too and and i find it as like maybe a good thing that that's the situation because with leanne running the front that's what she does she's smart she can run the office 
she's not mechanically inclined. Right. She's not out there rebuilding axles, swapping axles, rebuilding transmissions. Like that's, I mean, that's not what she's going to be doing. Right. And so it's nice to have that because they come in, they ask that like, okay, what I can do is schedule you, you're going to pay some money and then we're going to tell you what we think needs to happen. Right. Where if I'm in the office, I'm like, oh, well, I've seen a 2015 Chevy with that code before and it usually ends up being A, B, and C and we need to do this and it usually ends up being this much and, and that's not, what should be happening. <laughs> no, sometimes you'll shoot yourself in the foot that way. Absolutely. I definitely have. You know, sometimes you you want to spend more time and explain to a customer more, but at the end of the day, sometimes that doesn't help. Yeah, you uh, feel like you feel like you're doing the right thing because you're you're empowering them with your knowledge and you're right. gonna sell them because you're such a smart individual. Uh and it and it usually is not the right thing to do. <laughs> right. It just it almost always goes a weird way. I yeah. mean I, I it anytime somebody calls me with codes over the phone, I I, I just I'm like, I just need you here. I just, I need your car here and I need to spend some time on it. And unfortunately I have to charge for that time because it's a job. You're, you're taking away somebody's day. Yeah. You know, and the other thing I hear a lot is, well, let me just talk to the technician. Oh well, yeah. That just, that creates all kinds of issues for multitudes of reasons. One, he's, he's backed up. I'm not, I don't have technicians just sitting around hanging out. Like, yeah. Waiting, I'm, to, waiting to take a phone call. Yeah. I'm booking a week out right now. Yeah. You know, I'm almost done with next week. I don't even. Like if if you needed me to get something done next week, I could give you hopes and dreams, yeah. uh, but I don't know if I can make any promises. Right, and it's hard to pull. You know, it's only going to take five ten minutes. I get ten of those calls a day. Yeah, you know that's an hour. If we call it five minutes, which it never takes five minutes. Oh no no, it's ten fifteen twenty minutes stuck on the phone. Yeah, um, and you don't want to be rude. You want to help, but at the end of the day, it it doesn't solve anything over the phone. Going over scenarios that maybe shoulda coulda woulda you know, happen yeah. versus yeah. getting it in and finding out, yes, you're going to have to pay some money, but you're going to have an answer and you got to pay for answers in this world. Nothing comes for free. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. You don't work for free. I don't work for free. Nobody works for free. Right. Um, at the end of the day, my house doesn't get paid based on how many people I helped. Yeah. Those 10 to 15 minute phone calls don't yeah, pay the bills. They don't. And four of those take an hour and you only got eight of, eight of those in a, in a day. Yeah. It, it's, <laughs> so it's it goes by real quick. Yeah. That's my biggest problem as running an independent shop is they want to talk to me and, you know, I, I got to do that. But also I got to realize that I only have so many of those I can hand out per day mm -hmm. because I also am looking at an eight hour day that as an owner operator, I have to be out on the floor, you know, and there's a lot of shops that aren't running like that. They got the, you know, they can be an owner and they can walk in and they can spend the time like they need to or want to with the client and sell them. And it's tough in the, in the situation with a, a lot of shops, a lot of independent shops are owner operators. There isn't yeah. a lot of absentee owner shops. And mm -hmm. so with a dealership that basically is an absentee owner Right. shop if you really wanted to strip the layers away from it, right? Correct. They just got the people in the place to do the thing and you're the face of it. You you take it in and then you deliver. And any problems along the way, you're dealing with that. Yeah. It doesn't go to a higher person, right? No. Like you're it. You're it. Yeah. In terms of dealing <laughs> with the the shop and the work, it it it's me and it's the tech. And that's yeah. that's it. You know, the service manager oversees operations and then you have your general manager who oversees both sales and service. Right. And then you have the owner. So you've got two people between you and the owner. Yeah. And nobody when it comes down to it, the the service manager's not watching like over your shoulder. He's got a lot of other things that he's running. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's it's me and it's the customer. And it it can be good because we're pretty darn efficient at what we do, but it also 
can have a neg- negative effect because you don't quite get that that owner experience, which is outstanding. You know, you don't, you just, you don't get that. I do great customer service. I've always prided myself in excellent customer service, but at the end of the day, there's things that I can't do because of the limits of the way the dealership runs. Right. And that's just inherent of a dealership, you know? Well, a lot of independent shops too are taking a lot of cues from the dealership and trying to incorporate that into their shops. I mean, we do the same thing, you know, when it comes to parts margins and labor margins and not discounting, you know, if you don't have the power to discount, then you're not going to discount. I have the power to discount, yep. which is a good and a bad thing. It's more of a bad thing than a good thing because there's emotional discounting. There's a lot of things that come into play and you're looking at the, the numbers at the end of the year and I'm like, oh my God, why am I, why is my parts margin so low? Yeah. I run I run a 65 or 70% GP. How come I, then you start looking through the discounts and you're like, oh yeah, I remember that guy. I remember that guy. I remember helping that guy out. And I'm like, oh my God, I wish I had a way of like, telling myself I'm not allowed to discount. <laughs> right. I mean, for me, it's like there's a discount box in my program and that box only goes so high. I can't click it above X percentage. It right. won't, you know, if I put in 30% discount, it's going like, no, it'll just tell me no. That's it, I can't oh. do it. Yeah. It won't let me do it. Right. You know, and, and that's part of the ways that we run. You know, there's so many different extra expenses that we have and that's part of the reason we charge more. Um, but also there's a lot of promises that we make based on that. Yeah. And it's it's hard. Like, you know, we got we have certain warranty, parts warranties that that we get paid back. Whereas you're make that that's an expense for you. Right. Nobody's gonna pay you back for that time that it takes you to do it. Well, yeah, I mean there's there's aftermarket parts programs that we're involved with in our shop personally, we that we can we get paid for our parts and labor on warranty jobs. Um so yeah, the aftermarket's definitely come a long ways to take care of the independent shops uh, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah, I guess it's corporate in a, in a, in a way, but um, I wanted to get to back to the to the charging. So what's your opinion on having a dealership labor rate and an independent labor rate? Do you feel the dealer should always be the leading edge as when it comes to labor rate? Or do you think the independent shop should actually be leading the way in a, in a labor wage war <laughs> you yeah, want to call it that it, right because really everybody is. bases off their dealership hey all oh, the dealerships are charging 250 an hour so i'm going to bump mine up to 200 right you know everybody's always following the dealer and i've been really looking at that like you know we should be charging more than the dealer they should be a little bit more efficient they should be able to keep their costs down they're doing a specific vehicle of course they're not i mean i'm sure you pull right. in all all the colors of the rainbow when it comes to cars you're not just only doing dodge and chrysler right but you would think if they're that if they're just doing dodge and they're specializing in that and they're that efficient and they have you know these people you would think that would lower the cost if i you, mean if you thought about it from like a manufacturing standpoint when it probably comes down to the cost per hour of work yeah it, i would almost guarantee that a dealership has a better profit margin um, but I mean, uh, to quote out or have like a posted labor, let's just go to posted labor rate, even though I hate that we'll go to straight to post, like a posted yeah. labor rate of like 200 or 210 or 220, whatever. And then all the independents are like kind of following that mm-hmm. coattail and saying, okay, I'm going to be 180, 190, 200 then. And it's like, I, I feel like that should kind of, the roles maybe should be reversed, but what's your opinion on that as far as having like a dealer be more per hour than an independent shop? I would say it depends on the independent shop and I'll explain if it's a specialty shop, it should have specialty pricing. 
you work mostly and you specialize in transmissions, correct? Right. That's a specialty service. It should probably be more than what I'm charging because not that many people do it. Yeah. Now, if you're a guy that does everything, you're an everything guy, which everybody knows if you're if you do everything, you're not great at any one thing. Yeah. You know, you can't. A master of none is, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So <laughs> those those type of shops, and I'll, I'll say Jiffy Lube because I have a huge gripe with them. Yeah. Um, they, they, they should be way less because they provide way less quality of work. Yeah. Um, and they're not quite independent, but I'm just using them because they're big and I know there's a lot of little great shops around here. Um, but yeah, specialty shops should probably be charging more because there's more specialized. We don't even work on transmissions. We replace them. Right. Like we're, our shop rate is 170, which is fairly low in terms of today's market. Yeah. If you go into San Luis, it's almost minimum 200. Right. And we're talking about for Hondas. You know, you want to go to Mercedes or BMW, you're going to be paying 250 plus an hour in labor rate. Oh yeah, all day. All day. Um, so, you know, if I'm charging 170, I, I wouldn't say it would be out of line for you to be charging 180, 190, 200 for specialty For that specialized work. service. Yeah. yeah. Um, because you also are getting a more one-on-one experience, you know? Right. If you go to any chain, chains are usually less expensive than smaller shops. Because, right, right. You know, in any industry. And so mm-hmm. I think that is kind of off in the automotive industry where, but also the customer base. Um certain shops draw certain customer bases if you are only drawing if you're just trying to be the price gouger and you're just getting one and people get in because you got the cheapest prices anywhere and you're not specializing in your work yeah you're going to be less um but you should go away you should go away um (laughs) but i just don't like the everything guys um no yeah that's my biggest gripe is and i see the why i don't like them is i see so many comebacks and i see people wasting so much money yeah, the part um, the part swappers, the, the parts part, the parts changers. Yeah, don't be a parts changer. Like you know, oh, there's a problem with the fuel system, so I'm going to start with the pump. Oh, that didn't fix it, so I'm going to go to the injectors. Oh, that didn't fix it, so I'm going to go to this. I'm going to go to the module. And now and, I'm going to go on YouTube. Yeah, and now, eventually it'll get fixed. But did you need those four other fixes to find out that one fixed? No, you could have paid me 187 bucks or you could have paid Jimmy, whatever his diag is right. and probably figured it out quicker than the guy who doesn't charge for diagnosis. Not only that, but you would have supported an independent or a local owner, local owner, local shop, local people mm-hmm. and pay for their skill and pay for their education moving forward. I mean, I've, I've said this so many times. It's like, yeah, you, you can put a bunch of parts on a car and you'll probably get it fixed. And maybe you spend $1,000 on parts and it fixes it. Or you spend $800 for someone to properly assess and diagnose it and then you spend $100 on a part. Right. The bill's the same, right? Mm-hmm. So you spend $1,000 to fix a car. Which way was right? And it's, who do you want to support? Do you want to support Dorman in their $1,000 worth of parts at Dor- Dorman? Or do you want to support $800 to the local shop and the local techs there? Yeah you know, to support a local business. And it's like, and then the next time around when you have a problem, they're there for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the biggest problem is everyone tries to fix it themselves until they can't. And then they wonder why they can't get into a shop and it's right. two or three weeks out. We're three weeks out. Like I'm, I got two guys that work for me. I can't find anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I got the, the work. Thing. I can't find the people. I think we're, we're, um, we're down to like 13. We lost two techs in the past couple months. And uh, yeah, finding replacements is a nightmare. Um, you can't find, good technicians anywhere people don't want to work that hard anymore right it's a specialized work it takes really 
good training to do it right. Yeah. Um, and if you don't do it right, it costs endless amounts of money to keep you employed. Oh yeah. Um, so it's it's interesting. I mean, and with thirteen technicians, we're still booked out a week. Right. Um, and I think another big thing is creating a relationship with a shop you're going to. You know, don't see shop A for all of your stuff. And then when you need something else, go see this guy, other guy. Right. Because the other guy's going to go, what are you, what are you doing? Like, you know, where's, where's all this other work? You know, like right. I could have, maybe I could have solved this problem way before it exacerbated. See, and that's when, when you brought up the comment about the kind of everything shops, it is tough because you're trying to retain a client and take care of everything they need. And it's really, really difficult to put a system in place because I'm all about that too. Yeah. I, I like to make sure we stay in our lane. We do what we do best. And sometimes that is maybe working on a client's daughter's car and she decided to buy a Volvo. Right. Right. And it's like, mm. I don't work on Volvos, but I like you. Right. Right. And it's like, I, we've worked for you for a long time. Um, so just bring it in and we'll do what we can. And then it, and then something major comes up and needs a timing cover, gas event, replace or valve cover. Inevitably I, it's going to the shop. Yeah. Like, I'm, well, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Like I just, that just crosses line. We'll inspect it for you, but Hey, I recommend this shop. And I feel like the independent networking there and those kinds of shops is, is, is kind of another step forward towards the independence in a sense, because we built relationships with other shops. I have European shops that I use like, Hey, you know what? We're not for you. We're shop is not for your Volvo. It's not for your BMW. Uh, we'll look at it because we like you. We've built a relationship. You trust what our assessment's going to be. My assessment is that it needs major repairs. <laughs> we don't do that. Here, go to this shop. I know these people personally. Is that something in the dealership that you have as well? Or is that like each service advisor has their own kind of? Or is that just like not even, not even thought about? You're just like, no, we'll take care of it or... I mean, how, how does that process work on, on like that side? Uh, it's similar. I mean, we have a lot of different shops. Like we don't do body work. So we have shops, we have relationships that we sublet that body work out. Okay. Um, if it's an off-brand car, yeah. then, you know, we'll probably send it, we'll recommend it goes to another dealer, usually. Okay. Um, if there's not another dealer present, and most of this is liability when it comes to a dealership perspective, because right. people love to sue dealerships for everything. It's a oh, yeah. big secret. Um, but they think that most, and not for everybody, and I don't want to say this too harshly, but a lot of customers are super entitled. Yeah. Um, and they think just because they bought the car, everything else should be taken care of. Right. Oh, and yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people have lost yeah. the mindset of- Lost their mind, yeah. Yeah, just being able to to take care of things that cost you money like yeah you, know, you that, bought you bought it you own it yes so take care of it right yeah and you know where things like wear and tear items you know brakes tires spark plugs you know all these things that you as an owner need to know consumables yeah i'm not putting gas in your car right so where are you drawing this line in your mind because that's a consumable right <laughs> Yeah, your car comes with a some gas in it, but it runs out just like your brakes and every other wear item. Right. But people think that oh, you know, that's that I shouldn't have to. I've spent sixty thousand dollars on this car. Why isn't that covered? And my response is usually, you can go spend a million dollars on a Bugatti, and guess what? Brakes cost a lot more than a couple thousand. Yeah, and bucks. oil change is like ten grand. So yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh, I do. I spend a million dollars on it. Why isn't it free? Right. You know, go buy a Ferrari. It, 
nothing's free. Like right. it, it's cost way, way, way more. And you have to understand that it's your responsibility as an owner to make sure that your vehicle is at operating conditions. Yeah. That means when I grew up, my dad taught me to every time you left, go kick the tires, look at the oil, you know, at minimum. Two yeah. things you had to do was check your tire pressure and check the oil. Right. That was the absolute minimum you had to do before leaving your house. Yeah. So every day on my 73 Ranchero, when I woke up and went to school, oh, go check the oil, go kick the tires. You know, make sure that there's air in the tire because there was no tire pressure monitoring system back then. Right. You know, and people now just go, oh, my light's on. I need to take it to the shop and fix it. That was, when I grew up, I didn't take somebody to air up my tires. Yeah, you figured it out. You just did it because yeah. that's part of, owner responsibility yeah um but there's that divide of like wanting to be in the industry and wanting nothing to do with it and just thinking that we're just a bunch of grease monkeys and yeah. here here monkey fix my thing mm -hmm. oh yeah yeah <laughs> i don't think so you know and you got the attitude like you said the mindset is just all wrong like i'm here providing a service for you mm -hmm. i'm sorry it was not what you expected but i'm not trying to rip you off yeah. you know i mean i just had a fire a client yesterday over something like that it's like look we're, we're going through the process here, okay? We have an oil leak and we're, we're trying to isolate the situation and I'm going to stand behind it, but look, there's there's things that are out of our, uh, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's right. next. Yeah, we did, we, we did a repair on it a year ago and now you need a repair again. Like, yeah, it wasn't notated on the first inspection because it wasn't a problem then. <laughs> I had the same thing happen. <laughs> same thing happened. It's going around right now in this town, I think, but yeah. It was a, it was a knock sensor. We replaced... Three months ago, you know, downstream knock sensor went out. We replaced it. And uh, customer goes, calls in, I'm having the exact same problem. My check engine light's on. The exact same problem. Well, yeah. No, the check engine light is not the same problem. It's the same icon. It means there's somewhere in the, your entire vehicle, there's a problem. Right. Now, when we tested it, it had a similar code for the upstream. And we call them, oh, you need another knock sensor. Right. Well, I thought I just replaced that. Well, there's more than one. And well, why didn't we replace it last why time? Why didn't we do both? Yeah. Yep. Well, sir, it wasn't broken then. Well, didn't you check it? No, because it wasn't broken. And we don't check did you, did you want to pay me to check something that wasn't broken? Yeah. You definitely would have said no. Yeah. And <laughs> and I was like, sir, if, if that's your mindset, I'm going to recommend you replace the engine immediately. And- He's like, well, how much is that? And I was like, it's $20,000. And he's like, well, why would I do that? And I was like, well, because it's going to break. And he's like, when? And I'm like, well, that's what I don't know. Just like your knock sensor. Yeah, now we fair. can replace it preventatively, your entire engine, because eventually it will break. Or we can wait until a component fails and address it then. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is just keeping up on it. You know, we had a, a gal, I'll tell you this scenario, had 70,000 miles on her X5. And brought it in for a ticking noise. So the first thing I noticed was her oil change was 17,000 miles past due. Now, BMW oil changes are every 10,000 miles, which is already a pretty wide stretch. Right, yeah, for anything, yeah. So she went 10,000 miles and then another 17,000. We'll call it twice overdue. Well, almost three times. 27,000 miles since her last oil change. Oh, okay. 27. 27,000. Yeah, yeah. So it went to 10 and then it went another 17. Oh, I see. In the hole. Um, at 70,000 miles, that was going to be her third oil change. On a high performance. Saving money. Engine. <laughs> and 
she didn't bring it in for the oil change. She brought it in for the ticking noise it was making. And it was ticking because it the oil had gotten so thick it was no longer lubricating the engine properly. Right. And so she needed a new engine because there was metal shavings in her oil. It looked yeah. like glitter. Right. And so I recommended her the $37,000 engine that that car needs. And she gave me a bad review and told me I was just trying to rip her off. Yeah. And that's that's the frustration that we have. Is, oh, yeah. Is people think it's our fault that their car broke. Right. And my response is, I didn't maintain your car. You 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 choose when to bring it in, and I do what you tell me to do or what I recommend. But if right. I recommend you a bunch of stuff and you say no, don't get mad at me down the line when you're spending more money. Yeah. Or you take that situation and you go, oh, you know what, we'll change your oil. So then you charge her $250, $300, whatever it is for the BMW oil change, and then she's back in a month later with the same noise. Hey, you fixed my car, but now it's making the same noise again. Yep. So do you recommend that engine off front? Or you, I, I feel like doing the oil change is actually ripping them off. Mm-hmm. But in their mindset, they're doing them a favor. Just right. like the damn free f- code scans. Oh, it's free. I can go get it scanned for free. You can do that I like that guy. Yeah. Like, oh, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna charge me to inspect my vehicle? Yes, we have an inspection fee. It covers a DVI. It covers our time. We talk to you. We smile. We paperwork. <laughs> we're excited to see you. So yes, we charge for all that. Yes, there's other shops that don't do that. You can pull up and they'll jump right on it and and go take a drive with you and tell you what they think it is and they won't charge you a dime. Right. They're ripping you off. They're probably wrong fifty percent of the time at least. Well, and and those are the shops that are ripping the clients off. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're charging you for that. <laughs> when they do the work, <laughs> the wrong the work. work. If you think you're not being charged for that, you're definitely, uh, <laughs> you're lost because there's just no way if you worked for somebody and you went out and did something without charging, you'd probably get fired, right? You don't do yeah. free work on, on your boss's dime. If you ran your own shop, if you ran your own business, you're not going to go do something for a client and not charge them for that. Not your and, time. Right. And nobody whether, works for free. Right. Nobody works for free. Right. And whether you want to be upfront about it and say, hey, my quote to come out to your house is it's a $75 charge for me to drive out there and take a look and pr- do a proposal. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you can give them a price over the phone. That's your free estimate. Yeah, we can all do that. That's a free estimate. If you're driving somewhere, you're probably going to charge them for a proposal fee or you're going to sell that job. You're going to hard sell that job. And then you're going to throw that $75 on the end of the bill. You have to. Or you're not going to last. <laughs> no. And I mean, I yeah. always tell people, does the doctor's office look at you for free? Right. Do they, do, do they say, oh, yeah, just come on in whenever you want. Just walk in, you know, and uh, we'll, yeah, we'll we'll take a look. We'll tell you what we think is wrong with you and uh, we're not going to charge you. Right. You know, yeah. nobody in their right mind. Or schedule an appointment. Yeah. Oh, cancel the appointments. Those are my biggest gripe because yeah. people yeah. love to miss, miss, you know, reschedule or, you know, my frustration is you're taking time away from somebody else yeah. that I could have gotten in. Right. You, you booked an appointment Absolutely. a week in yes. advance yes. and I've told a hundred other people no to that day and time for you because yeah. you were supposed to come in and check something out Yep. or people that think something's broken because they haven't read the manual. Mm-hmm. I had two of those yesterday, two appointments scheduled where now I'd made nothing. I didn't, I didn't make anything on that appointment. So that's two lost appointments. Right. Um, one was for a window lock, you know, saying their window lock wasn't working. And uh, I mean, they could have spent three minutes in the manual yeah. and, and, and read the section on the window lock and knew exactly how but it, it worked. But it's, it's, that, it's that emotional but it's freak out. 
It's like, just like scared. I don't know what to do. I'm going to call the dealer. This should be taken care of because I bought this car from these people and it should just work. Yep. What? Nobody likes the instructions. I love instructions. They're my <laughs> yeah, favorite. Saves you a lot of money. Saves me a, a lot of time. A lot of time. You know, if I go through and I read how to put the box together before I try to put the box together, I'll probably save 30 minutes of trying to figure out how the box goes together. Yeah, even though it's so much fun to try to figure it out. It is. Isn't it? <laughs> but I want to, I glance through those. Do I need help? Do I not need help? I don't uh, have time for that. Can, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, read through this real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. nine times out of 10, it'll say, it will save you time. Right. You know. So on the, on the service advisor side, how is your, is, is that a commission base for like scheduling mm-hmm. appointments? We, we only get the appointments we schedule and it works different at every dealership. So when I worked at BMW, we had a receptionist that scheduled all our appointments. And it was just whoever grabbed the appointment. So okay. whoever said hi when they walked in, that done. And oh. it just, that's how it went. Um, over here, you schedule all the appointments. So if you don't answer the phone, you don't set appointments, and you don't get paid. Okay. Um, and it we get paid on every ticket. So if it's warranty or customer pay, I get paid. A lot of people think that dealerships have a problem doing warranty work. And that's it's not a problem to do warranty work. The problem is if you come in with a problem that you think is warranty and say, one, we don't find a problem. We just spend all that time and get paid nothing because we can't charge. If your car's on a brand new new car warranty, not your extended warranty, that's different. But if you're under new car warranty and you bring it in because there's a squeak and we can't find the squeak or it's a normal squeak or whatever, we didn't get paid anything. My technician spent time for free. I spent time for free. All of that was free. Now, when you don't have warranty, that's a diagnosis fee, right? So people right. are usually less hesitant to bring it in with all their little gripes and problems when it's not under warranty because they know they're going to get charged. Yeah. So it's a different mindset. Mm-hmm. Now, there's also a fight going on to increase what we call warranty time. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. you know what warranty time is or book time for Mm -hmm. a job um it's really an interesting concept that most people probably have no idea exists uh because i don't know where else it exists in the world like in 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 terms of an industry you know nowhere when i worked in in interior design or furniture there's just there's just set pricing there wasn't different pricing for different things right so the way it works is is uh let's just call it a battery, changing a battery. So if your battery goes bad, you know, you change it. Uh, normally that takes you 15, 20 minutes or whatever. If war- if you ask warranty how much time you're going to get paid for that battery, they'll pay you like 0.2. Right. Where it really takes, I mean, if you calculate everything, like from the time you pull the car into your bay, you run the test, you figure out it's a battery, you go to the parts department, you get the battery, you go back, you swap it out, you take the core back to the parts department, you go back to the car, you check it, you take a test drive, and then you take it back up to me and you tell me it's done so I can give it back to the customer. That takes, I can tell you, minimum an hour. Oh, yeah. You yeah. know, it's not depending just- on the, Depending on the size of the facility, but yeah. Right, you know, but to do all those little things, but warranty only pays you it's like they got it's like they got a stopwatch and they're like here the batteries in your hand ready yeah go (laughs) that's that's what they pay both terminals tighten stop yeah really so and the hood's not even shut (laughs) right and you know they're probably not going to pay you diagnostic time you know under warranty they they very rarely certain brands don't pay much diagnostic time chrysler hates paying diagnostic time as a brand 
Um, I, could, I could see that. Whereas BMW will, they have a different opinion. They want their customers to bring it in. They want us to spend the time. So they will pay the technician even if there's no problem found. Oh, that's nice. That's really nice, you yeah. know, but also there's a very, very different expectation from BMW as far as service than there is of Chrysler. Yeah, but that, that expectation should be across the industry. That's what a lot of dealerships are fighting for now is, yeah. is raising that warranty rate to make it a universal rate um, because book time, like if you look at a pro demand or something will be two hours and then warranty is like, eh, we'll pay 1.1. But it really takes maybe about two and a half, three hours to do the job. Yeah. Not quite half, but yeah. Right. It's it warranty pays a little less than half usually. And what reality is is more than book time. Right. Unless you have done that repair a hundred times and you can remember it by memory and you have all the parts waiting in front of you and the car's clean, it almost never takes warranty time. Yeah. I can promise you that. I mean, unless you're, and and this is another part of the, the equation, the level of the skill of the tech. Yeah. You could be an A-level tech working for Dodge or Chrysler your whole life. You know Jeeps, you know Ram pickups, uh, like the back of your hand, specialty shop here, transmission. Does it take us three hours to pull transmission out? No, absolutely not. I've done more than I could probably count, but... I'm not going to charge 45 minutes to pull a transmission out because I've just used the last 10 years of my life yes. to pull them out 45 you minutes. So a- sorry, you're take you you you're paying for my experience, not my time. Right. You know, and yeah, I specialize in that, but that's why we specialize in it because we're going to charge just like any other shop would or any other book time, but we do it a lot faster. But in a dealership, you have so many different techs of different backgrounds and different, you know, skill levels. Yeah. Um, how are you going to give a warranty job of uh say uh an alternator of a 2.2 alternator you're going to give a b or c level tech an hour to do an alternator and you're expecting that job to go out with quality yeah what do you think he's going to do is he going to do it for money or is he going to do it because he's not going to he wants to like cut his own paycheck and and do it for quality i mean we have the mindset that we want to do the right thing and we want but after a couple years of that yeah, you need to hard. get paid mm-hmm. and you can't help but think, what is this tech going to do? Is he going to shortcut something because it's going to make him more money? I hope not, yeah. but you're, that's what you're breeding. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I mean, over time, your really skilled technicians figure out not shortcomings, but shortcuts you oh, yeah. know, of yeah. how to get a job done. They figure out, oh, I don't, I don't have to remove the entire subframe. I can just drop this one side, support it, and then I can get it out. Yeah. So I can save 30 minutes of this time. But it took him five years to figure that out. Yeah. There was a hundred jobs he did where he ran five hours on a three-hour job. And then now that he's in his, you know, sixth year, he can do that job in two and a half hours. Right. He's not gonna keep losing money and right. only charge what it I'll takes. I'll do it less for you because I learned how to do it better. Yeah. Why why are you why would you give anybody that discount for that? Yeah. And that also comes with like what I like to call a knack or a hack, right? Right. It's a very fine line. Between a knack and a hack. Knock sensors, like you said, that's a good one. So on a Toyota pickup, uh, you got to pull the intake manifold off to get down to the knock sensors. Uh, you could also build a plate and mount knock sensors externally and then just connect them onto there. Is that a, knock, a knack or a hack? You know, yeah. They're not going exactly where they're supposed to go. Of course, nobody's really doing that. But if it's your own vehicle, you might be looking up on YouTube on a Toyota and you're like, I'm not pulling this damn intake manifold off. No. Well, I can just build a plate and weld some nuts on and then screw my knock sensors into that on the side of the block. 
I mean, it's going to work about the same. It's yeah. on the engine. Uh, and you just did that in, say, 30 minutes. I think that's more of a hack than an act, but I mean, you get what I'm getting at. It's like yep. some, sometimes you can finagle stuff that's not exactly in the procedure. That's not, it's still politically correct. Let's put it right. that way, right? Then you got other ways like, I'm going to cut this hole in the side of this fender to access the alternator. Uh, that's more of a hack, you know? Right. And it's like, so it's very difficult to say what the right thing is to do. But the main point is, is like when you got these B and C level techs, and the A-level techs are getting all the good stuff. I'm sure they don't get a lot of the warranty stuff. Well, I don't know. That's another question, too, because in dealerships, if you have a warranty coming, are you sending it to an A-level tech? Or are you sending usually. it to... Yeah. yeah so then it's like, it's as go- you get better, you get worse jobs, you know? Yeah. And that's the other, you know, and and it just, it's got to go... For us, for me, we have um, also different dealerships run it differently. Chrysler has specialty techs, you know, so there's eight levels of certification based on what you can do. Um, I have an HVAC guy. I've got a transmission guy. I've got an electrical guy. I've got a diesel guy. I've got an everything guy, which is the, pretty much the shop foreman. So, you know, if you get to the top, you got to deal with everything. Yeah. And that means you kind of lose your ass on a lot of stuff because you just can't, you get all the, the complicated things that, you know, you got to spend four or five hours figuring out on warranty and they're going to pay you maybe a half hour or an hour for diagnosis, but you spent a day on it. Yeah. So you just made, we'll call it $35 to work eight hours Yeah. to figure out a problem. And then now you got to do the repair in two and a half hours when it's probably going to take you three or four. So, you know, two days worth of work and you made a hundred something bucks. You awesome, know, uh, you know, and those are with, the ones with your 15 years of experience, 20 years of experience, forty thousand yeah. dollars in tools that you have to own and pay payments on, and so you know you're paying for a lot for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, um, and I think the the warranty time is yeah, it's got to improve. I it's just it's BMW has a good model. I think more manufacturers should adopt that. Which is if a tech spending time on it, why isn't he getting paid? Right, I it mean, doesn't all matter. This, the whole industry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why, why, why would I spend time on something if I'm not going to get paid on it? You know, right. and then that's also why techs are hesitant to, you know, you they get a RO with this crazy issue that sounds like it's nothing. They're like, man, I'm just going to push that off because I got this other guy that wants to pay me br- to do brakes and transmission flush and all this stuff. Gravy. Or I can spend three hours checking out a problem that I'm not going to get paid for, or yeah. maybe there's not even a problem. Yeah. So I think we should, you know, BMW's got a great point. Pay a guy. Every time he looks at a car, regardless of what the outcome is, right? Because guess what? It's work. Yeah. It means that he's he's working on it, and it's yeah. it's not plug and play anymore. Oh no, it's, I don't think it ever really was, but uh, in this day and age, it's definitely far, far from that. Far from just plugging your little plug plug your little thing in, and then it just tells you the code, and then you just and then you just order the part and replace it, right? Yeah. Like, uh, what? What did you just say to me? <laughs> and then like uh. Yeah, electronics now. Newer cars, I don't know what how new of cars you work on, but they are getting crazy complicated. Yeah. Well, I mean just just like the the security links on the Chrysler's is something you, I'm sure you deal with. And so as an independent shop, we have to pay a subscription uh, through Snap-on. And, you know, there's a big thing with Autel right now. And they're trying to make it so that no other scan tool manufacturer can access the security link. Yep. And then you got to go through the auto lab and pay their or auto 
um, I just I can't remember the name of it, but but yeah, there's there's the third party you got to go through to get the security link to match up with the Snap On account, um, and the whole thing there, and and that's just to clear a code. Yeah, like just just so I can access the information to do a regen on you know, the Eco Diesels is a big one. I get but a lot of people those want in. you to clear that code for free. Yeah, clearing clear is like not only was the scan tool almost ten thousand dollars, and I have three of them, <laughs> but I have to pay a subscription for all three of them. <laughs> yeah, with two different corporations uh-huh. and then I got to pay my tech which also now is an A-level tech with ASUs that he's got $40,000 in tools to walk out there for just 10 minutes to clear a code and it's like um, well for one I'm just going to do that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll just grab the scan tool and do it if, that, if that's the situation I'm in but there's there's certain circumstances where you know I may do that for a good client, but no, as a whole, as a policy, absolutely no. not. That needs to come in, and that needs to be part of maybe another service. Yeah, we'll check the code, but we're also going to do a full vehicle inspection. Uh, with I picture. need to know what's going on with that code. Yeah, yeah. I want to I want to set the code, and then I want to look underneath the car if it's got an oxygen sensor code. Well, I want to look up at the harness. I'm going to just do a full visual inspection, and then just charge for all that as a whole, right? Not just do like. Uh, maybe a code and and the problem is is having a code assessment fee because then they say you're charging me just to check the code yeah you know and so it's like okay well, what i'm going to do is we're just going to do a full hour you're going to pay me an hour and pay my text an hour time we'll just check the code but then we'll also put it on my ten thousand dollar lift and we'll lift it up in the air and that for some reason changes the tone oh yeah. well i don't have one of those and i don't want to buy a lift so that'd be cool to get it up in the air and look underneath right it's and then all easier. of a sudden it's like the lift is my selling point and not my technology for the scan tool right because it's so unknown like you said it's so new they don't understand how much technology is in these cars and what it takes they just see someone walk out there with this little computer and it just tells them what's wrong yeah. oh that, that was so quick like well, it's it's even faster for me to lift to put a car on a li- on a rack. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> I can do that a lot faster than scanning a car. Yeah. But for some reason, that's what sells it. And I, I just don't understand the the mindset behind that. But well, and then some of the I mean, when you're getting into the the twenty plus cars, twenty twenty one, twenty two, twenty three, um, certain manufacturers we can't even access their computers. Right. You know, yeah. um, <clears throat> a good example is when I worked at BMW. Uh, we had a, a client who has a, a Rolls Royce. Um, same brand, right? Same, same, same. Same, sure. Just like Mini Cooper, BMW, Rolls. They're yeah. all kind of in the, the under conglomerate, the umbra- yeah. conglomerate. Stellantis and owning it. You know, yeah. all right. that stuff. So people say, uh, oh, it's the same brand. I just bring it in. Well, when we plugged that thing in to read, and it was just to reset the battery reset. Because when those cars, you cannot change the battery, BMWs and Rolls, right. without telling the car that you change the battery. Yeah. And just changing the battery doesn't do that. So you have to get in with a, tool a, a computer and you have to tell the car the battery has been changed so it acts properly rolls royce wouldn't let us in with our bmw computers need their tool yeah <laughs> so you know it's something and that's a battery change we're not even talking about complicated stuff we're right. not talking about relearning transmissions we're not talking about software updates anything just to reset the battery yeah. the same br- ownership group bmw to rolls which even use some of the same software Rolls says no you need to bring this to us yeah and mini is the same way yeah. a lot of the bmw computers won't work with mini um and 
almost everything else. Volvo, yeah, Mercedes, I ran into Hyundai and Kia, Hyundai, and, Kia, and, and Infinity, and Nissan. Yeah, they're they're just close enough, but not. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be the expensive cars. I mean, even the yeah. cheaper ones now are yeah. just there's. There's 20 computers in a freaking Kia now, in yeah. a Honda, you know? Well, the, and the Ram, the Ram trucks are the same way. Uh-huh. You know, they make a security link for what? What What am I, like, it's just so, it's one more deterrent. Yeah. You know, and, and then they make it accessible. Okay, well, you can get it, but you got to get these, you know, jump through all these hoops for us. Yeah. And then and then it's like, you know what? It's not worth it. And then it just goes to the dealer. Yeah. Why Most spend- independent shops are like, you know what? I got enough work to do. I'm not going to deal with this fancy, fandangled electronic stuff. Just go to the dealership. And that's what they're hoping the conversation is. Is like, well, but you know what? I'm going to stay on top of it because right. <laughs> this is the new age. But there's a lot of shop owners that don't want to deal with it. They yeah, just, I, I don't want to deal with all this stuff. It's, it's becoming that, and I mean, don't even get started on the electric cars, but right. you know, you need a guy who's a technician and you need an engineer and a programmer. Yeah. I mean, that's what it is. A lot of the newer cars, guess what? They just need some programming and some software updates, Most of the just time, like yeah. your cell phone or your computer that needs them all the time. Yeah. How often does your phone update? Yeah. I mean, all the time compared. Yeah. So when people like they come in and they're like, oh, something's wrong with my car. Oh, it needs a software update. And they're surprised every time. Yeah. I'm like, your car has 10 MacBooks in it running it and they need to be updated at some point. Yeah. At some point, your computer updates, your phone updates, technology needs an update. And uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, I would say a good 30% of like problems update it. Right. On new on new era cars, yeah. and that will solve it. You know, it's running rough because X Y Z. It's you know the spark isn't at the right time, or yeah. or your transmission is not running right. It just right. needs a relearn all the time. I've always found it's, it's usually the parameters. So they program the the module to allow the spark plugs a certain amount of wear, or the transmission frictions to accept a certain amount of wear. But once they have exceeded that capacity once your your clutch tolerance has gone, have gone from say 20,000 to 30,000 then the computer no longer knows how to, how to deal with there. that play in a sense in quotes right so then you got to update it to the next thing that's what i found with a lot of the the updates but speaking of tools like in the dealership that's another kind of a hot topic so like consumables in the dealership for tech so the techs walk in with tools on the de- on independent side it's all over the place like we have specialty tools they use. They're they're you know required to have hand tools, but we take care of gloves and brake clean and um, zip ties and all those consumables. Yeah. Like I just eat that stuff. Like let me know if you use an excessive amount. Use your best judgment. If you use ten cans, like I, I need to know you use the freaking case of brake clean on this repair. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, if you use a can, God, if clean. if you use a can, then I'm gonna go ahead and just eat that. Like I'm not too worried about it. But on the dealership side, how does that work? It's it's kind of similar, um, you know, for each repair, you're allotted something, you know, you get gloves are provided, but a lot of my techs over here don't use gloves, which is weird, yeah. you know, yeah. I, it's, it, that's definitely a big personal preference, but BMW requires it. So, interesting. you know, so they're provided, um, but there was at some point, some techs were just like, they're throwing away every time they take them off their hands. And it was like, Hey, Hey, these boxes cost 20 bucks and you got to slow down. We can't be going through a box a day. Like that's crazy per tech. Eating them all. Yeah. And, um, a lot of techs will, will save excess fluids and stuff when they give them to. So, you know, if you use six and a half quarts or whatever, and you get a bottle, seven bottles, you got a half a quart left over. They're not just going to trash that. They keep that in a stash. And then when a customer needs it, Hey, I've got a big stash. If you only need a little top off, cool. Then that somebody paid for that kind of. Um, okay. So it's like a pay it for kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so 
we don't and we don't necessarily build a customer for that that goes into the shop you know we only build them for six and a half quarts but you can't get a half a quart bottle yeah you know so there's there's excess here and there and that goes into just the shop running cost right and i guess beyond like the that kind of stuff like as as a tech um and like specialty tools are, are there do, do you there's know? a tool room have uh, we have a tool, tool room with specialty tools so there's yeah you you only need your your basic set of quote quote basic basic is still like 20 to thirty thousand dollars worth of tools you know yeah um and then there's all the different specialty tools so like your ac evacuator and you know that's a shop tool your um well, like polar timing and like stuff ball joint presses yeah because uh, i I've seen a lot of techs at the dealership have their own kind of personal cache of like, like the DCT tools for like the the dual clutch transmissions. Mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot of the techs there have their own. Yep. Um, but then is that like expected of them, or is it anything that's a, a a specialty tool for the brand is usually provided by the dealership. Okay. Um, if it's not a specialty tool, then it's, but also that's the difference between how a technician gets paid. Are they an hourly guy or are they a flat rate guy? Oh, interesting. So, uh, certain you can get paid hourly if the shop provides your tools. And there's also, there's a lot of different rates and, and things, but basically if you bring your own tools, um, you can be flat rate. If the shop provides your tools, then they're only going to pay you hourly. Um, so like lube techs, a lot of the time the shop provides the tools and they're just an hourly guy. They work eight hours. They get paid for eight hours. doesn't matter how much work they do. Um, but a technician, he provides his own tools and so they will pay him, uh, whatever he flags. I assume. Um, now that can work in his benefit or not. Uh, if you aren't good and you don't get a lot of work or you get a lot of warranty work or you get a lot of warranty work, um, unless you get really good at those warranty jobs and you're, you may not be making as much as you're working. You know, if you, if it takes you two days to get a 10 hour job done, say two full days to, and that's usually a 10 hour work day about, Mm -hmm. um, you, you lost half your day. So your effective rate goes down. Right. Um, if you did it really well, then, and you'd use less time, then you're winning. You know, you get paid 16 hours for 10 hour day. You're doing really good. Yeah. on a personal side of it, so you have certain techs. Obviously, you have your your little niches as far as what you're going to send to. One of the big gripes for dealer techs is the service advisor and what they give them. Yes. Right? Drama. Yeah, Drama. So <laughs> well, how does that work for you? Is that something that you've seen happen oh, with maybe yeah. other service advisors there? Is that something that you do when techs, if, if you get into it i mean how 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 does that how how's the relationship there i i try to be i try to have a relationship with every technician so you know i try to see them when i'm i don't need anything i don't like to be the guy that shows up all the time just when he needs stuff you know i don't want to only talk to you when i need a favor um so that that's where i start is i i sh- i want to have a relationship with every technician um i've seen advisors that only talk to techs when they need something. And techs usually aren't real ecstatic when they call. Yeah, I could see you know, that. If you, hey, 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 Jim, can you can you come up front? I got a, I got a guy. I'm working on a freaking alignment, dude. What, what do you what mean? Now? What do I need? Yeah, what do I got to come up there for? And then the technician spends 20 minutes up there because they called the 
technician up to talk to the customer and it, it tech like to get do paid. their job. Like, why am I doing your job? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it def there's, there's definitely a lot of drama when it comes to that. Um, and what work are you giving to what people, yeah. you know, why is, Hey, 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 Tyler, why, why did you give this guy, you know, all this work? And I, my response is usually because it's not a problem when I give him work. Um, if I have a problem with a tech and not with him personally, I usually don't care about how I feel about somebody personally. It's about your quality of work. Yeah. If I give you a job and it comes back with issues, I can't trust that this relationship is going to work. Yeah. And That's ultimately fair. it comes down to it is because it's my face with the customer. Yeah. I get the bad survey. I get all the heat. And if you, I can't trust the tech to give me a good repair that I can put my stamp on, my face on, yeah. and tell the customer, I believe this will fix your problem and you're good to go, then I'm probably not going to give him work and he's probably not going to like me very much. Yeah. And I've had that happen a multitude of times. Um, and a lot of times it, it does get pretty heated and I have to have a conversation with the tech and I said, look, if you can't promise me and give me quality work, then I, I can't give you work yeah. because it all comes down to me, you know, as much as it, it, it doesn't, it does. I, I get the well, bad it survey. Ch changes your whole sales pitch. Like you can't sell a $2,000 diagnostic right. or assessment if you're not, if like the last three he handed you were wrong. Right. I, I, I can't keep having these conversations, man. No, I don't have time You're killing for it. me right now. And I'm I don't, not. <laughs> I don't have time. Yeah. I don't have that much time to, to spend time going back and forth like that right and so yeah i do give texts that i trust way more work than texts that i don't yeah um or if a guy just wants to be a specialty guy and i don't get any of that work that week sorry yeah. maybe you should do more other stuff training <laughs> i don't know yeah I, more training training's you know, big you gotta it, do, you gotta it, train i haven't done this before and i'm like well there's one way to figure it out do it yeah. you know when i hadn't I've never swapped a rear end before, but guess what I did when I was in the middle of the desert and I didn't make it happen? Yeah. I, I learned real figure, quick. Figure it out, huh? You know, adversity Learn will push us. And, quickly. <laughs> you know, if we don't get a bunch of alignments and you're just an alignment guy, maybe you should branch out. Yeah. Um, you know, because tire shops are hard to compete with and those alignments are cheap and maybe they're not always right, but they're cheap and customers usually towards- Price shop. Yeah. Yeah. What's the price? And so, yeah, there, there's quite a bit of, of drama. Um you have dealerships have certification levels. So sometimes you are or are not allowed to give certain techs. Like when it goes warranty, I can't have a lube tech do a recall. I can't have a lube tech do anything under warranty because he, in Chrysler's mind, he's not certified to do any of that work. So they aren't willing to warranty work for a guy that's not certified in that field. Um, and it's becoming... I mean, you need to be able to do everything when it comes down to it at a dealership. That's what yeah. I think, you know. We take all brands because guess what? When a used car comes in, if we get a used Chevy truck in, we're not going to send it to Chevy to do the recon work on it. Yeah. We're no. going to do the recon. So you kind of have to be able to do it all. And at the same point, nobody can do it all. But you need to, what I mean is do it all. Work on all parts of a vehicle. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's gray. It's, you know, you try to stay in your lane, but the lane is, is gray, you know. Um and it's just all about trying to not go out into the weeds in a yeah. sense, like, like stay in your lane. Don't go out, you know, don't, don't be hitting the shoulder and hitting the weeds, but, uh, how wide your lane is, is just how skilled and educated everybody in the shop is. Yeah. If you're not real educated, um, 
you, you, your lane is pretty narrow, but <laughs> and I, I, you know I what I mean that, though? Yeah. Like as, as you start, you start expanding your horizons and your lane can get a little bit wider and you can start taking on a little bit more stuff. But, um, but like you said, there's, there's, there's the new one that's always around the corner, the mm-hmm. 10 speeds, you know, 10 speeds are new for me. Yep. Am I going to say, no, I'm not going to rebuild the next 10 speed that comes in. No, I got to figure this out because they're everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> they're in everything. So yeah. For the dealership, techs they they need to be able to look at everything nobody can do everything going back to what we've said before yeah but i i don't need just an alignment guy i don't need just an ec guy i those are those aren't that it's not that specialty of work right you know when it comes down to it um going into transmissions going into engines taking those things apart that's more specialized yeah there are guys that will do that stuff yeah but as a dealership technician you need to be able to take any vehicle and at least perform the diagnosis with a smile with a smile and how do you, it, how, do you how do you like the get in the ticket and they're like oh. but then you know are you going to turn it over to somebody else did you just do that diagnostic time and then now you got to give it over to to some tom, tom because tom need is the transmission guy or tom's the the engine guy yeah. um and those guys can do everything my engine guy can do everything. He, right. you know, he can look at any point of a vehicle and, and yeah. does, does he want to do transmissions? Mm, not always, but will he do them if that's what he diagnoses? Absolutely. Yeah. He's not going to give that work up. Right. That's, that's his paycheck. You know, if he can get that done, and he needs to figure it out. And at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to is how much are you willing to do to earn your paycheck yeah. um, as a technician? And there's it's a mentality. It's the mentality of like what you want to take. I just yeah. can't stand like you give them a, the job and then it's like oh, another one of these. Like what's work. with what's with the attitude, it's man? Work. You probably deal with that, right? Yes. Yeah. What, what's with the drama, Queen? Like yeah. all the time. <laughs> what the? Isn't this why you're here right now? What? Do you, so what is it that you want? Right. Well, I don't want to stand around, but I don't want to do that. Right. I don't know, man. I don't think this is for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean. It, it just get it gets crazy frustrating sometimes, you know, especially when your your talented guys are booked for like two weeks, and then you've got a guy that you can't trust to give work open, and you're like, I could give this job to him, <laughs> but it might not work out for me, um, or he's just gonna lag on it because he doesn't want to do it, right. and then it's like, and then you have a customer saying, "What's taking so long?" It's like, oh, well. Tom doesn't really like doing this work. So yeah, it's taken yeah. him twice well, as long to figure it out for you. And then once again, it's my face on it. It's yeah. me having to, you know, or you go and, hey, I got a customer waiting. If we could take a peek at this and at least figure out a route, is this going to take a long time or a short time? You know, I don't need a complete answer right away. I need an answer right away. Yeah. Communication. And, yes. Transparency. You know, where, the, where are we at? Within the first couple hours of a car showing up, I need to have an idea of what direction this is going to go. And by that, I mean, I need to know, hey, do I have to take stuff apart to figure this out? Right. Is it already figured out? Is it a real easy cut and try? You know, are, they, are they picking it up today or are we keeping it yeah. for a couple days? Or am I going to have to take the whole head off to figure this out? Yeah. Like, where are we going with this? Is this going to be here two days, three days, four days? Or is this a, oh, it's got a restricted airflow because they haven't changed their air filter in 50,000 miles, swap the air filter and send them on their day. That yeah. shouldn't take more than an hour and a half to figure out right. all said and told. Um, but if you let it sit because you don't like diagnosing stuff for three hours and then I got a pissed off customer, that's where the drama starts. I could see that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. I mean, it sounds like kind of my day. 
it's it's so so i guess as far as the responsibility though that you're that you've signed up for i don't know if that really encapsulates uh tech management because it's not really your tech in a sense right Right. like you're not you're not writing his paycheck so why is that your responsibility to deal with that like where you know and it's like where's the actual guy who's supposed to be managing these texts to be like look man if you don't want to be here you should probably go (laughs) honestly it should be the foreman yeah you know um but how do they how do they manage that do you go like Tattle tell? Are are you the snitch that's like, hey? So every time I hand this tech something, it's like, so then you're breeding a whole different uh, culture. Yeah. You know, it's like that's such a difficult situation to manage. I don't. Uh, I I try not to go to higher up unless I need to. Like, you know, if I'm really up against the wall and this guy's just not listening to me. Yeah, but it's like, you you, you like for me, I try to stop that stuff. Like. Way early. Way early. And yeah. I can because I'm, I'm I'm the owner. I write their check and I work right next to them every day. And it's like, hey, don't do that. Like, hey, and I can monitor. I can see what jobs they're doing. I look through the efficiencies. I'm like, okay, obviously I'm not handing him those jobs anymore. Right. You know, like, and I, and it's just like an untold and I just keep cycling it. And then I start handing them a little bit more. And then I'm like, hey, maybe you should do this training on, uh, you know, whatever the job that they're having difficulties with. And I can start feeding them training and, and build them up that way. And it's a much more personalized but like, how how would you even manage that on the tech side of it without I mean, the tech being proactive? You know. Yeah, I start with having conversations with them. You know, just hey, dude, what's what's going on? You know, and and that's part of me seeing. But that's them. just you. That's just you, though. Personally, that's yes. not your job title. No, that's not what the dealership's telling you to do. They're not like, hey, so if your tech's like down and out, you need to go have a talk with them. Like, right. You want what? I'm a therapist now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For your techs, what are you yeah. talking about right now? All day. <laughs> Um, and then, I mean, if I, if I'm not getting anywhere with them, then they're going to figure it out when they don't get any work. Yeah. That's how they're going to, if they don't listen to when I'm talking, they're going to learn by my actions. Yeah. Um, and that's what it comes down to is, is how, how much are you willing to understand and help the customer? Yeah. Because at the end of the day, that's all we're doing. I'm not coming at you asking you for favors for fun. I don't want to just, you know, I'm not coming back and Hey, okay, when is this job going to be done? Cause I, because you want to know. Yeah, I don't just want to know. Like, I have usually somebody calling me five times a day. Hey, 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 Tyler, I know you know, know you said the parts were coming in and I want to see if they're done. And Yeah. Well, I think the issue is and it's not the first time they've called, like you said. Like, And that's probably what it is. They don't see all the unknown times of you. They will ask, the customer will ask me distracting 10 the times customer yeah before yeah. I go ask the tech right right that's what I mean and, all, and they don't know about all the other calls and all the other excuses I don't want to call them excuses but you know what it is yeah it's customer service hey you know this is happening he's working on it I don't want to interrupt him whatever it is that your sales pitch is to to uh, steer that conversation yeah. from you having to go out there and bother them right right and it's like that one time okay I need to go no I just I need information yes like I'm 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 out of <laughs> Stuff. I'm out of bullshit right now. I yeah. need some actual something to grab onto so I can tell them. And it's like a lot of techs don't realize that because they didn't go from the service side. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, look, man, it'll be done when it's done. It's like, I understand your frustration with the vehicle and with me here right now, but I need you to communicate with me so we can all get paid. Yes. You know? <laughs> it's yeah, not just otherwise... you in the car right now. No, you know? no. And uh, Or like warranty. You know, calling stuff into extended warranty is is a nightmare. Um, you know, you're going to spend probably, at, if everything went perfect, maybe 30 minutes. 
And I'm talking about perfect. Like yeah. everything is, if the tech store is lined up, I got the codes, I got the parts and there's no issue. Um, I'm going to spend 30 minutes minimum for a warranty call. Um, and frequently it's more than an hour, anything submitted to warranty because got to read through the story. I got to check the parts. I got to make sure they're available. I got to, you know, Get a hold of the customer. Get a hold of the customer. They don't answer gotta, the first two times. I got to wait on hold. I got to, you know, go back and forth with a warranty admin. I have to explain why the part's broke and make sure that there's no uh, pro- other problems. And then they have to type it all in. I have to read every single part number to the cust- to the uh, warranty admin or administrator. I have to tell them what the labor times are, where I got the labor times, where the car is. I mean, it's a, it's a big list. And... Uh, customers want to just show up and think it's going to be fixed in an hour under yeah. warrant like that and i'm like well i already read online what part it is and it says it only takes 10 minutes to replace a part <laughs> go for it go for it you got it you got you, it. you already looked it up the parts what? the parts department's right there parts if you want to, get it. Right if you want to do it yourself but if you mm-hmm. want it done for free there's a process i mean how many times have you ordered something online and it says 20 minute assembly and you're there for two hours oh every time you know that's every job we get yeah every job yeah. The instructions say A, and we don't get A. Well, and going back to the tech, you know, the techs now, there's just not a lot of A-level techs left. A lot of them have retired out. A lot of them just aren't getting into the field. Yeah. A lot of them aren't doing the education that they should be because they think if they get up against a wall with a repair, they can just check it out on YouTube, yeah. right? It's like, I don't, I don't need to do this education. I don't need to do these seminars. I don't need to watch Scanner Danner. I don't need to worry about it because if I have a problem, I'll just look it up on YouTube real quick and I'll find a video and do it like that. Like that's your education. That's where you're basing yourself. And then that puts them at an echelon that seems or makes them appear to be a much higher level tech than they really are because yeah. that's not base knowledge. It's just learning on the fly, which isn't bad. Right. I'm, a, I'm, I'm okay with that. But when you start basing your whole career around that and you've been in it two or three years and you don't have any certifications i mean the ASC certifications are there for a reason are they the almighty everything you become a master tech and you know everything absolutely not but it's a good base knowledge it's kind of like college yeah i mean yeah it's It's like school i mean can you just about do any job without going to school for it yeah yeah does that school help you Yeah. yeah Well, it proves it that you can show up on time somewhere for, you know, four yeah, years. Yeah, there's, there's <laughs> for way one. and waste a whole bunch of money. We won't get started on that road. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, school's a good outline for, you know, a lot of things when it comes to just showing up on time, you know, getting in a workflow, yeah. getting a good basis Educating of Educating yourself. Yeah, and you're not done there. I mean, you're never done. Yeah. But it gives you the foundation that you need to learn things. I mean, you're just never... You're never going to pick up an ohm meter and just know how to test, you know, voltages and all this other stuff that, you know, you're just never going to figure that out. But you can watch a video and follow along with someone online that's doing the test that you're doing with that same meter. And all of a sudden it appears that you know what you're doing. But do you understand how that? But do you understand anything of what you're doing right now? I can see, okay, I'm getting 14 volts. Okay, cool. That's good. That's what I'm supposed to have. That's what what it says. Yes. Okay, I'm getting six volts here. Why? Now what? Now what? Yeah. Uh, or the in between, you watch a video and it shows, you know, 14 and, and then you get the six and it's like, well, mine's at nine volts. Yeah. The video doesn't show what's wrong if it's at nine volts and not yeah. six. It's like, it's because you don't understand what you're doing. You don't have yeah. no concept of, of electric, in this case, electricity or yeah. how the charging system works. So, yeah, it, you, you got to have a foundation of knowledge and it's like, 
that makes it so hard to to deliver certain repairs to certain techs. And I'm sure for you, it takes a very long time to build a relationship, right? Yeah. With techs and knowing what you can ship them. Because every single day for a year, you're going to have a different repair come in. Yep. You know, you're not going to have the same repair twice. So, yeah. I mean, maybe you go through a lot of cars, but I it's mean- It never t- starts with the same scenario. Yeah, but 40, 40 to 60 cars in a month for six months, you probably won't see the same repair twice. Right. You know, you're like, so you're trying to like, hey, how, what is this tech good at? And if he's just like jumping online, which isn't wrong, he's getting the job done, he's fixing it. But if he's just jumping online every time he gets a different repair, um, yeah, he's smart enough to figure it out that way. But is that really what he's good at? Or did he just get lucky with the right video? (laughs) Yeah. So like, here's a a good example. We just had a a new uh, Dodge 2500 towed in because it was hydro locked. Uh, He went through a puddle during the storm. Gotta love puddles. Nice. Yeah, you know, those four-foot deep puddles. That's an expensive puddle. Uh, It's $37,000 puddle. Um, (laughs) But so hydro-locked engine. You need a new engine, right? You need a new block. Um, My tech goes, order a starter too. And I was like, why? He's like, because I can promise you the starter's burnt. He knows this from experience. That Smart call. 90% yeah. of the time, if you have a locked up engine, somebody probably tried to start it way too many times yeah. and fried that starter. Now, does your testing, your diagram, your repair procedure, or anything tell you to replace that starter? Right. No. But did I just save the customer a month of time? Yes, because I could have got through that entire engine repair and guess what? Starter's, Starters on back fried. order. Yeah, or it goes on back order or it's two or three weeks out or something. But if you don't have the experience and the training and you've been through this enough times, yeah, that's what you're paying specialty shops for. Absolutely. That they've seen scenarios. They yep. know how to work through these scenarios. They can save you time and money in the long run because time is money. If that repair took another three weeks, this guy doesn't have his truck for three weeks and he's not doing truck things for three weeks. And most... uh. Anybody who has a, a heavy duty truck is usually making money with it in some way, shape, or form. Right. O- almost nobody's just driving a one ton for fun. Right. Like it doesn't drive as good as an F one fifty or a fifteen hundred. Like you can get a better drive out of a smaller truck. Yeah. So th- unless you need that heavy duty truck, and time is money. You make more money time with it, it takes. The more time it's down, the less you're not. The less you're doing with it. Right. And the same with the. I mean, with the dealer or for the shop. I mean, this once it's once you turn the key and it fires up and it runs, you're getting paid. Yeah. You know, if it don't start, if it don't leave the shop, you don't get paid. Nope. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a good call and it's a call that unless he did a video and was like, hey, if you got a locked up engine, you should place your starter because you know you probably burned it up trying to start it too many times. Oh, that makes sense, right? But in the process of it, are you going to sit there and test? And it's like that goes back to like the customer. Uh, service side of it right it gets down and now you're having a conversation oh well you know we went to start it we found the starters locked up why didn't you test that because it was like, dead like <laughs> because the whole truck was dead what do you mean like what do you mean yeah. you know? like well you didn't test that i figured i assumed you would why didn't you test that like don't make me look like an idiot right now right. because all of a sudden we know something that we didn't know then right. you know and that's how everyone jumps and, and, and just latches onto that like what do you mean you didn't you didn't why wouldn't you test that you wouldn't think it would be bad it's like no you don't test things that are working. Right. Like, well, <laughs> like how often do you 
check the water pump in your fridge. Why didn't you tell me you tried to start it a thousand times after it went through the bottle? Right. You know, like, why didn't you tell me that? Yeah. You know, like how I, I, I'm just not the all knowing. I, I can only address and fix a situation that's presented in front of me. Yeah. I can't do that's more stuff until I, you know, it's like the trying to get a river to flow down a hill. You, you, you take the first dam out and then you got to see where the water stops. And yep. then, you, then you take the next dam out. You don't comb the whole freaking hill. Right. <laughs> yeah. To make the water flow. The wrong way. Yeah. No. You just wait to see where the water stops, and you get that next break, and that's how you deal with a, an assessment or a repair in any situation. You know, you have to just wait to see what comes up, unfortunately. And sometimes that, that that's like a repair, like, hey, I got an intermittent fault. Like, I'm sorry. Like, you can either pay us a whole day of diagnosis to try to get this thing to act up, or you're just going to have to wait for it to break. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't see or just to handle that. Old cars that, you know, when you fix one thing, it finds the next weakness. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. that's, you know, I tell a lot of people, if you got over 150,000 miles. Just like check engine lights. Miles, yeah. yeah. You know, you're going to fix one thing, and guess what? It's going to find the next. You replace one old coolant hose that cracked guess what there's probably going to be another cracked coolant hose really near in your future on an old car yeah um now do you want to replace it all when it's not broken cool let's do that let's spend those checks and that's just the communication yeah and that's where the tech like you said with the starter here that's their call Mm -hmm. is that your call as a service advisor or is that call their call as a tech hey this is a 1991 honda it's got about a thousand uh coolant hoses uh this one's got a pinhole in it does he recommend the one or does he recommend all of them? Right. And that's the knowledge side of it. That's the, di- that's, that's the main difference between an A-level and a C-level tech. Yeah. You know, And it's not the patches. It's not the master tech certification. It's that information, that education to be able to say, hey, this has failed and I guarantee the rest of them. Hey, this front wheel bearing's out. We should do both. Yep. Right. Or like injectors, you know, same thing with injectors, you know, you got one worn out. Why would you just do one? Right. You know, I can save you time and effort now to do them all at the same time, or we can play this the one out of the time game and you can come see me the next six times this goes wrong. And just keep pulling this manifold off at four hours a pop. doing them. Yeah. I'm happy (laughs) to do that. Please just do that. Yeah. And you're going to be angry every time your truck's down. And that's the thing when you're trying to do a client a favor. I'm going to try to save you $800 because these are $200 injectors or whatever. Right. I'm just going to, it's just one failed. So we'll pull the manifold. We'll do the one. I'm going to save you a bunch of money. Yeah. Right. But then the next one fails and you got to do the job over again. And you're like, but I was trying to do you a favor. No, you're ripping the client off. Right. And that's where the free code scans come in. And it's like, you're number not six. doing. Yeah. It's just, just the misfire for number six. I only need the number six injector. Right. Well, guess what? Number five, number four, number three, number two, number one are all going to fail in the Near future. Right. I usually say within 12 months. Yeah. And almost, I've been right 99% of the time when I say that. And it's another $500 pull the manifold every time. Yep. And there was no extra labor to replace all those other injectors. So what makes you think you were doing the client any sort of service by just doing the one? Because you saved the money up front, yeah. you know? And but you lost them time in the future. You lost them in the future. And, and now, they gotta, now they got to bring it back to you, uh-huh. you know, nonetheless. Pay another diagnostic. You, another diagnostic. Another, it's like, no, no, no. It's like, and I hate those shops that are like, oh, they recommended all the service work. And I get that a lot from from like other shops that hear a car coming from a dealer. And then they're like, oh, the dealer, as usual, they recommended all these services. It's like, easy there, cowboy. Like, come on now. Like, we're, we're trying to we're trying to do the, the, the client a service here. And I... I like a lot of what the dealership does as far as their management processes and taking those kinds of steps and like, look, you're here now. We're not going to do a timing belt, not the water pump. Right. That's a given. We're going to do timing belt water pump at the same time. So why isn't that like 
in the same situation. If we're going to do one coil, let's do all the coils. Sure, it's not that much time to do one individually every time you come back, but it's your time. You got to come back here. Yep. And then it's my time. I got to talk to you. Not that I don't mind it because I'm going to charge you for it, right. but- <laughs> It's how much, you know, do you want to do this? And it's right. a lot of back and forth. How many more and- times do you want to come back here? Yeah. You know? <laughs> or like uh, routine maintenance is my favorite one. Yeah. Um, people call in, oh, yeah, I need uh, whatever it needs. Oh. When I hear whatever it needs, like I see thousands of dollars oh, yeah, in my yeah. head. And I'm like, okay. And I'm like, are you saying you just want an oil change and a rotate? Or do you want everything that the manufacturer recommends at this interval? Yeah. Well, whatever it needs. Okay. And then they show up and I have a laundry list because they haven't done anything in the past 50,000 miles. Yeah. So here's a $1,500 quote and they go, what the hell? And I was like, your words were, do it all. Yeah. I want everything that it, like, and then they freak out because- or like, I don't care what it costs, get it done. Well, I'm gonna go ahead and send you a quote. No, no, don't worry no, about no, the no. quote. Just, I had this happen. Just go ahead and get it done. I had a guy come in, big flexing with his uh, 392 Durango, um, which needed brakes. And uh, he goes, yeah, yeah, just order them and get them done. And I'm like, do you want a quote first or like whatever it takes? Ah, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's fine. And I'm like, I come out. How much I'm, could it really be? Like, yeah, well, I'm going to go ahead and let you know first. Right. And so I go back and I'm like, hey, yeah, uh, you need pads and rotors. And uh, that's going to be like 5,200 bucks. He's like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll order it. And then uh, I'm like, okay, I'll place them on order, but it's going to take me about a week to get them. Okay. Three days later, he call, calls. Hey, uh, I was, about that quote, um, what all are you doing for that price? Pads, rotors, sensors, and replacing them. Well, I didn't ask for rotors. I didn't. I mean, <laughs> you this didn't. Is, this is the brake job. Yeah, this is a, this is what it requires. I'm like, you have draw, uh, drilled and slotted rotors. I can't mill them. Right. And they're due because you have a probably big, a huge lip in them, probably way under the specifications. Yeah, and a it's disservice a not to replace car them with yeah. 400 horsepower that weighs 7,000 pounds. Like it takes energy to stop that every single time. Yeah. And Go for it. Go for the cheap brand. I'm sure they'll work out great. Um, but you said do it whatever it costs. And I can, yeah. t- you know what happened? He canceled. He canceled. Anytime they say do whatever. Every time. Every time. It's I don't a, understand it, that. Yeah. And uh, I don't know if it's just lack of knowledge or what it is, but or just not wanting to know, not caring. Um, but yeah, people don't understand their vehicles anymore. Right. They just they they don't look at the manual. They don't even peek at it. They don't even look at the quick start one, the little ten page one. Yeah. Um, if you just look at your maintenance interval, you probably could learn a lot. Like yeah. What and then you know when a dealership or a shop is lying to you. Yeah, that's true. Um, self education, client education. Right. I mean, it's important. Do you have an open checkbook? Because there's you can either be smart and rich, or smart and poor, or dumb and rich. I mean, if you don't yeah. want to know anything, you can pay for it. But right. if you know everything, then you'll probably save some money because you could either do it yourself, like an air filter. How hard is a cabin air filter or an engine air filter to do? Right. Um, you know, for us, it costs about fifteen or twenty bucks in labor plus the part. Do you want to pay that $35 for us to change them or do you want to save 35 bucks and do it yourself? Right. Now on the oil change- I'll do them all day long. I mean, I'll take it. I'll take it. Easy, easy, (laughs) easy. I'll take all those all day long. Oil change is like we charge $20 in labor for an oil change. Do you want to climb under your car for 20 bucks or do you want me to do it for 20 bucks? Yeah. I mean, it- the price of the oil is the price of the oil. I can't change that. Right. But for 20 bucks, I'm probably going to give somebody else 20 bucks to do my oil change. It's- For me- 
my time and effort and crawling up under there and draining the oil and disposing of the oil. oil. Yeah, yeah. Like, is that worth 20 bucks? Hell yeah, it's worth 20 bucks. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously the price where they put it there. I mean, it makes me want to send all my cars over there and I'll just tack another 20 bucks on and call yeah. it a day. <laughs> and I mean, customers, I tell them, you know, do you want to, if you want to save money, get your own oil and filter. I'm not going to guarantee that it's good oil or a good filter and bring it to me and pay me $20 to change your oil. Yeah. Yeah. So on the dealership side, the, 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 the bring your own parts. That's an interesting one. You do a lot of that? Uh, not a lot. We, okay. we frown upon it because we can't, I mean. That's got to be an absolute no for you at a dealership. I, I would assume. Because for us, our policy is like, we, we just don't. No more. Like unless it's a custom part. And I know the like the the aftermarket part company Holly something like that sure Yukon whatever yeah like sure I'll, I'll put those in but most of the time like even gears I'm getting like no I, I want them for my my supplier so yep. I can warranty them it's it's highly highly frowned upon um, but I will make it abundantly clear if a customer wants to go to that route that you're gonna pay me if there's a problem with this a lot of labor to figure it out like I'm not I'm not warranting any part of this. There's no part of this that's warranty. Like it's because we warranty all our work. Yeah. Um, and that's why we supply all our parts for the most part. But if right. you want to bring in a part, you're going to pay me to do a job regardless of if it fixes it or not. Because I'm going to have to re-diagnose what's going on right. after this part to figure out, okay, is it something else or is it this part? Right. And most of the time, even, it's the part. It it's not worth it. Um, yeah. Like we just had a guy who provided his own engine for a repair. Wow, I, I just had no idea the dealership would even even like uh, think he, about having that as an option. Uh, I, I it wasn't my ticket. I wouldn't have done it. Um, I would. But that's a ser- that's engine. a service advisor's own personal uh, call, huh? Yeah, if he went and that guy. Wow, has, I didn't I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean it varies dealership to dealership. Right, um, of course, but, but I just assumed all dealerships would have like a policy in place. It's like step one as your first day as a service advisor, line one item on your like responsibilities, no customer parts. Like yeah, <laughs> I just assume um, that would be like the number one thing on the line item. No, you can bring your own parts. Um, Crazy. Now this guy has the this tech uh, advisor that dealt with this one has spent an insane amount of time since that one was done several months ago because it has come back repeatedly oh my God. for a ridiculous that engine ended up being bad so we got another engine he paid us a second time to do the engine replacement um and it that one has had more problems i mean we could have provided an engine and at this point he would have spent less yeah on the engine we typically, provided typically how that goes yeah then he's spent more money on redoing gaskets and he's had to do a starter and he's had to do this and he's had to do that. And if you add it all up, he probably has paid way more than it would have just been for our original quote. And still with no warranty. And still has no warranty. And our engines come with, you know, like a three year, hundred thousand mile warranty or something. Right. So it's like, yeah, you, you, you thought you saved money, but you don't. Yeah. I mean, just pay someone for the service, man. Yeah, just I mean, pay for the service, and then I think they'll stand the, behind it. A good common one is like intake manifolds. Um, it seems to be people think they're easy enough, so they order just whatever aftermarket intake manifold, and it either doesn't fit right or it cracks because they didn't look up the torque specs, and they just oh, I'm just going to cinch this down with my impact on this yeah. plastic intake manifold and crack the, it. Ugga, the old ugga duggas. Yeah, um, that that's been a common one. Is like cracked intake manifolds, aftermarket intake manifolds that don't seal, or 
like when and we've you know we'll give sometimes if we can't get the OEM one we'll offer an aftermarket one um and then if it comes in and it doesn't work guess what you don't pay for it right you know that's that's the dealership promise right um, i mean that's kind of like this how the whole service industry should be and in, in this industry is like it's because we provided the parts right exactly so if All we of, recommend yeah. it and it doesn't work it, you don't pay for it right if you bring us something and it doesn't work you're going to pay both sides of that right yeah and that, i think that's pretty that's standard. I mean, that's yeah. how it should be, you know, and that's the problem I think a lot of other shops get into. They think that, oh, I'm just going to be uh, Mr. Fix-It and bring your own parts to me and I'll just do the labor. And then they get stuck in these situations and it's like, why did you put yourself in that situation? Amazon has ruined so many things, but also been so great. Yeah. Like there's, <laughs> but the good it's and the pretty bad. surprising how many manufacturers have parts stores on Amazon with oh, yeah. actual OEM parts. Oh, absolutely. The yeah. problem is that that one sponsored one that's right above the the Mopar store that says Mopar is not Mopar. Yeah. And, you know, people click the wrong one. Keys. Keys never work. Don't buy aftermarket keys. Yeah, like, I can see that. On new cars, the security just doesn't work. It's some universal key and it'll work with your 90s Honda or whatever. But the new cars with the security just aftermarket keys don't work no, and no then way. you're gonna pay me 170 bucks to program a key and it doesn't work and then you're gonna pay me another 170 bucks to program the other key so you just that 50 bucks you were gonna save you now spend an extra 170 yeah yeah and i wish there was a way of encapsulating exactly what you should and shouldn't buy but man is that ever so gray yeah you know like there's just so we could talk about that for hours as far as trying to figure out what you should and shouldn't buy. I think the main takeaway, just take it experience. to a professional. Yeah. <laughs> and ex that's where the experience comes down to. Right, like, yeah. you know, how many times have we ordered parts from somebody and figured out if they're good or not? Right. You know, how many times did I reach out to that scam guy? <laughs> you know, or a different scammer. Or, yeah, yeah. It just comes down to experience. You learn where the quality is and where it isn't. And I can tell you most of the time it's not on the internet. Like just what you first find. If you dig hard enough, but once again, experience. If you spend a whole week researching something, was it worth your time? Or was it worth an hour of my time to pay me yeah. 170 bucks? To well, you're there out? to do that. And it's like, you have the experience. You've been in this long enough to know better. And it's still... Still gotcha, right? Mm -hmm. And not to say there was anything you necessarily did wrong, but it's just that's how good they are. How is somebody without the decades of experience of being in the front of a dealership yeah. or running a shop, if they can't tell the difference, how are you going to tell the difference if you don't even have that experience, right? right? So it's like, why are you even trying? Why are you even trying to save a couple hundred dollars if you're even going to save a couple hundred dollars? You might have got a one once, a, a win once or twice doing that, but that's it. Like, yeah. that you can't keep doing that. Like, eventually it's going to turn on and bite you, and all that you've saved before is like, not gone, done. Gone. You know, you, you, you're gonna get. It, it's just happening. There's too many scammers. There's too many people trying to make the auto industry look bad. Trying to capitalize on, because when you have a nice experience with a shop, it changes your entire perspective in the right. industry, right? And you're like, wow, these are super helpful people. How would anybody in this industry ever try to rip somebody off? Because you meet someone that is nice, that's helpful, that takes care of you. Yep. And these are the scammers that take advantage of that situation. And I think it comes down to people. You gotta do a little bit of research. And I don't mean necessarily on the internet. I mean, ask knowledgeable people yep. where they're taking their Yeah, feelings. the internet is not the know Don't all. go yeah. on Facebook and ask, where should I take my car? 
Yeah. I've no, no, <laughs> just don't do that. Find a mechanic, create a relationship, find somebody who knows about cars, ask them where to take it. Yeah. Um, because there's good and there's bad with everything, you yeah. know? And it's not as easy as what are the Google reviews? Yeah. It's not as easy as that, unfortunately, because there's bad voices are a lot louder than good voices yeah. when it comes down to it. And, and it, when you're asking for recommendations, the ones that are scamming are usually the first couple ones to be recommended, yep. right? Because it's like they're hurting for work. Yep. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, bring it in right away. I got it. Like, I got you. Yeah. Whenever I hear bring it in right away, like I'm always hesitant. I'm like, hmm. How how open is his schedule? Yeah, that's not good right now. Not yeah. in this day and age. No. You should be waiting at least three days. Yeah. Three days minimum. I don't know any shop around here right now that's less than three days. And Unless it's a simple service or something like that. Right. Most of the stuff is like, I need, I need, you know. I'm a week out for an oil change. Yeah. Like that's, and, and then people are mad when they call in the day before. Oh my morning, God, yeah. Because they waited, you know, and they're 2,000 miles overdue. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my, usually my response to almost anyone is, this is my next appointment. You're welcome to drop it off before. I don't know if I'll get to it before. So if you want to be without your vehicle for extra time, you can drop it off. I might be able to get it in early, but I don't want to make a promise till next Friday when my next appointment is. Yeah. You know, I had a guy on a Friday that was traveling and I'm like, hey, my appointment, my next appointment is Thursday. Yeah. Like I understand you're out of luck drop it off. I'll do my best to try to take a peek at it, but it just depends on how much work it takes me to diagnose it. Right. If I get an answer quick, I'm going to get you an answer quick. And I tell my tech that, Hey, I know you've got 25 other jobs in line. I've got a guy who's traveling. If you could spend 20 minutes on this today for me, just 20 minutes, don't, don't do everything. Yeah. We'll try to get this guy somewhat of an answer. Can he have this taken somewhere? Uh, we'll get him rolling. You know, we ended up figuring it out pretty quick and we're going to get it fixed Monday for him. Um, but that was a perfect scenario. It doesn't always go perfect. I've no. had way too many things where they get really complicated or they tried to fix it themselves and they don't tell you that. And then you're fighting a stripped bolt and it just goes all kinds of ways. Yeah. Now, and that's why I always prep. This is my next appointment. You can bring it in. I'm not making promises. I don't promise anything in a shop because yeah. I've seen I've never seen everything, but I've seen everything. You know, I've seen yeah, yeah. every way it goes wrong and there'll always be a new way it goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, that's true. But that's why we don't make promises is because we're not in control of anything. Yeah. I don't control the shipping. I don't control the car. I didn't make the car. And yeah, I didn't buy it. I didn't build it and I didn't break it. Yeah. So don't bitch at me. Right. <laughs> you know, I'll give you a phone number. I got all kinds of phone numbers you can complain to. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, I'm just here to help you. So biting my head off is not going to do you any good. Right, right. Yeah, that's the biggest uh, the biggest problem right now. Client, People, ad, client advocacy. Yeah. So being as a service writer, you get the, you get to deal with that day in and day out. All of it, you know, <laughs> and it's it's a lot of the, the calling in and just the wanting it right away. And, and believe me, I'd, I would if I could. Yeah. But even with 13 technicians, they're still a, a week out. Yeah. Like, and when you come in and you want something right away, you're basically telling all the other people that booked an appointment to F off. Right. Yep. And it, it may not feel like that on your end, but 20 to 30 people a day, I've promised a, an appointment time. Right. That's, that's my promise. I, I, that you can show up and drop your car off then. Yeah. Um, but after that it, it changes. And, and when you want to get in the same day and you want it done right away, well, I got to tell 40 other people that their car got delayed. Yeah. 
and those aren't good conversations. Mm-hmm. And I have I'm to have those conversations that. every day. Yeah. But just selfish people is what they are. Yeah. And it's I understand, sir, it's your car's important, but there's seventy other cars that are also very important. Yeah. And I want to help every one of them in a timely and, and, fashion. And they all took the time to make an appointment and right. leave it with me. Right. Or not bug me twice a day. <laughs> <laughs> I love those calls. Hey, I know it's been three hours, but what's happened? Yeah. Now what? Now what? What, can you tell me what else you've done? I'm still waiting on the part, sir. I will call you when it shows up. Trust me. Four hours later. Hey, is that part there? No, it's it, ETA. If I tell you an ETA, I'm going to be wrong. And then you're going to call me a liar. Because how many times has the package got delayed from UPS coming to your house? Right. Well, we have about 100 something packages show up a day. Right. They all get delayed. <laughs> Every yeah, one you of them. Every single time go through that. Oh my God. Every single time. Or the inventory counts off. It says there's three in LA in the warehouse. And what it doesn't tell you is five other people ordered it today and they only had one and not three. Perfect. Uh-oh. Yeah. I told you it was going to be here tomorrow and now it's three weeks out. Yeah. So I usually don't. I Hey, it could be a week. It could be three months. Three months? I don't know. And I'm just trying to be. Until I have it in my possession, uh I will let you know. And I heard the guy next to me for the past month, this, uh, this, these torsion bolts that we were waiting on. He said, oh, ETA is February 9th. Oh, it didn't show up on the 9th. Now it shows the 12th. Okay. Now it shows the 16th. Every single time he'd tell him the date and it just, the date kept getting moved three days out. That's the worst. And so every three days, this guy would call and call him a liar. You told me it'll be here. Well, I didn't pick up the part and deliver it, so I'm sorry, but you're gonna have to call UPS. Yeah. <laughs> like, here's the tracking number. If we even get one, a lot yeah. of we don't get it till it ships usually. Yeah, that's true. And so, and even then, add a couple days. If it says overnight, I'm gonna say 48 hours. If it mm-hmm. says three days, I'm gonna tell you a week. Yeah. You know, and that's just because I've seen it before, and I I don't want to promise you something that I don't control. And that's right. a, you know a lot of, that a lot of things is just you can't control, and that's. Welcome to service industry. Oh, yeah. And then part service industry in the automotive industry in 2023. (laughs) I'm so tired of hearing the word delay. Yeah. You know, and it's, or back order, or not available, or, and just because uh, there's, say there's a quantity out there. I look up and it says zero at distributor, zero at um, supplier, you know, 400 on order. 700 at other dealers. What are the chances you think one of those dealers is going to sell them to me? Right. You may think we're all friendly, but the Uh, guy that's got 10 in stock, when I call him and ask him to have four of them and he looks on the inventory and he sees that there's zero at the supplier and there's 400 orders placed, what if he needs it? He's not going to give that up because he knows he can't get any for the next two months. Right. So when people say, oh, just call another dealer. Unfortunately, that doesn't work all the time. All the time. It will work sometimes, but it usually only works if the part's available. Odds are I'm not going to waste my time even making the phone call. Right. And, you know, if you've ever tried to call a parts department, they're busy. They've got a hundred customers that are there at the store. And by that, I mean the cars that are there, the customers that are there. Right. And those ones all come first. And if you're calling in to try to find a part, you're probably going to be on hold and you're probably going to be 
waiting a while. Oh, yeah. It's the same thing when I call another dealer. I don't get straight to the guy and on a walkie talkie <laughs> and he's just like, oh yeah, I'll send it right over right now. Like, Where's the inside line, huh? I'm just another customer. Like yeah. when it comes down to it, when I call another dealership, unless we own that dealership, which we don't own any other Dodge dealerships, it's, I'm not getting that part. And even if I did own them, the guy that's running the shop, the GM, is probably going to be like, no, I want this part because I'm going to need it for my customer that shows up next week. Yeah. Yeah. And so back orders are something we're dealing with now. And it's the supply chain is not even near as fixed as it could be. Right. It's, and it's, I don't know if it's going to return. I mean, I, I think uh, Americans need to start making more parts and, you know, we need to simplify stuff and it just keeps getting more complicated and more electronic and we're stuck in a hard place. Just more parts that are specific. Mm-hmm. That's the problem. You don't have parts that are like one for every 30 cars or 40 cars or 100 cars. It's every car is unique. Right. So you have to have a special unique part for every unique vehicle, for yeah. every unique person. <laughs> right. Like you used to be able to go, I need uh, the brake rotors for a 70 Chevy. Chances are, you know, there's like three options. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, and, now they fit, it, and they fit a thousand different cars. Right. You know, and you could fit models. them on a Datsun or a something or yeah, whatever. Or whatever, yeah. But now it's like, no, I have like, like BMW's got like 15 different size brake rotors just for one model year. How are you supposed to supply that stuff? How do you keep that in stock? Right. Because you're not just dealing with the current model year. You're dealing with like 10 model years back, usually. Usually a dealership, I would say 90% of the service is for the last four to five model years. And then like the last 10%, you can extend out to like 10 model years. So 2012 and up is is 90% of our work. Usually anything older, we're not. It's not that we won't work on it. They're just not bringing it into us. Right. And um, you're, you're, most of it is nothing older than, I'd say 17 and up is now what we're dealing with. You know, <clears throat> that's just what's coming into the dealership. And right. So yeah. I'm not stocking parts for your 2005 PT Cruiser. Can't. I don't. I just, I don't. Can't I'm not do going that. to. I'm not going to let a part waste space on a shelf for three years for the one time you come in. For a PT Cruiser, to oh, say yeah. the least. Oh, I get, I get those calls quite a bit. Yeah, I want to see if you had any parts for my uh, 2002 PT. Nope. <laughs> There's your nope. Nope. <laughs> a hard no. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No. Extra no. Uh, well, this has all been good info. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, yeah. it's. I love working at the dealership. You meet so many great people. Yeah. Every, just like every industry, every job, you have adversity. And how you deal with that is how well you will succeed. Uh, creating the relationships and and just letting people understand. Honesty to me is the biggest thing yeah. is I'm super transparent with my customers. Right. When he calls in and he's like, hey, I know you got the parts yesterday because you called me and told me, uh, what's the status? Uh, Sir, I haven't touched the vehicle. Yeah, You want you want the honest answer? I have four other racks that are full. I need one of those jobs to come off to get yours in. And then, it, it, yes, it's a three-hour job, but that's if he works on it for three hours straight. So that one day repair, I'm going to quote for two days once it comes in. I'll let you know where I'm at when I'm, you know, you can call and check anytime and I'll tell you exactly what's going on. And I'm going to be transparent about it because the last thing I want to do is make you think it took me five days to fix a three hour job. Yeah. Or tell tell them it's on the rack and have them show up and it's not on the rack. Oh God. I've, I've seen that happen with people who mislead people and it's, it doesn't work out. No, I've had customers that? show up so many times unannounced and uh, 
I'm, that's not the way I run my life. You know, I, I want people to, to try to understand that I'm trying to help them. Yeah. And the minute that you lie to them, that's gone. They know, they know that's gone. We're all, we're all smart. We can all tell. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and I, I hear a lot of it from other shops, other recommendations that people make that are just, just wrong. Yeah. You know, like this, uh, the shop that told a lady that her upper control arm was cracked. She didn't have an upper control arm in that location. It just had one control arm right. on it, you know? So it's like, how much was that lady going to pay that shop? To do what? To fix a part that didn't exist on that right. car. Yeah. Yes, it had a rear upper control arm, but there was no front passenger upper control arm, you know? Yeah. And so, you know, she, she could have paid this guy maybe 800 bucks. Who knows? Who knows what to fix something that wasn't broken. That yeah. didn't even exist on the car. Yeah. And so it, it's stuff like that that hurts the industry and that we try to get away from, but it's something you got to battle with every day. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to know the someone fighting at the dealership for the, for the better of the industry, for sure. We try. I, yeah. I try. I can't speak for everybody, but it comes down to just talk to people, you know, meet people, find out who's knowledgeable in whatever field you're looking at. You know, if you want expertise on gardening, find somebody local who's doing a good job and and talk to them, you know, yeah. you, I'd say, bring it down to local, you know, stop going on the internet. Internet's a great tool, but there's way too much fluff right. and you need to meet somebody, go out. You know, how hard is it to meet people now? It's, it, it's harder, but you can do it. Yeah. You know, I'll flag somebody down. I'll spark up a conversation in a parking lot. I'll go to a business mixer or, you know, just networking and figuring out people is, is how I run my life because I figure out who's the expert and I learn from them. Yeah. Get a, get a part-time job with somebody and work for them on the weekends or a couple days a week. I mean, right. that's just get right into it. You know, I mean, it's hard as an entry level to get in an automotive field, but the dealership's a great place to start. Use the internet as a reference, yeah. not a, not, not the final book. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. There's a lot of good stuff on the internet when you know how to decipher it. Yeah. You know, well, we'll leave that as a as an as an ending uh, cap there. Yes. <laughs> so, no, good info. Appreciate you coming in. Yeah, and uh, if you guys are curious, you can follow me on Instagram, Papa Smurf Wrangler. Uh, Facebook, I have an off road group, Central Coast Campers and Crawlers. And if you need service, you can see me at Malahi. There it is. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely.